does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Benchu out of the gun. First and 10 for the Colts. In motion right side. Josh Down. Shotgun snap again. Left side give. Here's Jonathan Taylor again. Cuts it up. 50. He's at the 40. In Saints territory. Still going. And he's tackled and pushed forward from behind. Inside the 20-yard line. An explosive run for Jonathan Taylor. All the way down to the Saints 18. Benchu out of the gun. In motion right side is Michael Pittman Jr. Ball in the near hash. And Pittman is wide open on the near flat. He's at the five, diving for the pylon on the far sideline. Give it to him. No signal yet. There it is. Touchdown. Back in his row is Carr. Has time. Checks it down over the middle. Caught by Camara. He's at the 10. He's at the five. And he jumps his way closer to the goal line. In fact, he's in. Taysom Hill's back in. They snap it directly to him. Runs it off tackle right side. He's at the 10. Angling for the pylon. And he's in. Colts lead by a field goal. Derek Carr goes out of the gun. Three receivers left. He backs to throw. He plants. Looking. Taking another shot downfield. It's got a man. And that's a catch. 10-5 touchdown. Wow. Minshew looking over that five down lineman approach. Backs to throw. Taking a handoff. Throws on the run. Fires downfield. And it is picked off inside the five-yard line. Offset eye. They give it to Kamara right up the gut. He's at the 10. He's at the five. And he's in there. Touchdown. Alvin Kamara. His second touchdown today. It's Hill. As the quarterback, Saunders is his fullback. Saunders blocking left. Hill going that way. Spinning across the goal line. Touchdown for the Saints. What a weapon. Minshew behind the line of scrimmage. Taking a shot for the end zone. Has a man. That's Andrew Ogletree. Did he make the catch? He did! He did! It covers 33 yards. That's just what the doctor ordered for the Colts. It's third and 13 here. Eric Carr goes out of the gun. He's going to pass. The Colts bring in heat. He's going to air it out. Downfield has a man open. That's a basket catch. That's Rashid Shahid. And he's down inside the Coca-Cola red zone down to the 16-yard line. Tony Brown in coverage, but he was beat. Shahid has done a lot of damage today to the Colts' corners. Yeah, you got my back against the wall. I tell you, Mark Dighton got in here early. He made that montage. Listening at the beginning, oh boy, wow, that's when Jonathan Taylor actually got the ball. How about that? (laughs) How about that? Welcome in. Uh, It's a Monday here on The Fan. It's a Reaction Monday. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dighton is back from doing whatever you do in Wisconsin. Hopefully you you brought some beer back for the boys. Booze and water slides. Good God. No, we need it for that. (laughs) KB, a very good morning. Um, a disastrous Sunday in Lucas Oil. What else can you say? One in ten, one in nine, I should say. The last two games at Lucas Oil, three and five on the season. What happened with Jonathan Taylor? Another interception from Minshew, and um, we sit here now, eight games into the season. KB, a three and five football team that in the next couple days is going to have to make some decisions whether they want to keep some guys on this team. A very good morning to you. At least yeah. your Irish one, though. Look at that. I yeah, saw one of the um, one of the construction workers there at 16th and um, uh, Capital. I think just beat Tony Brown on a go route before starting uh, his morning shift on this Monday morning. Uh, the worst defensive performance of the season, bar none. Uh, obviously, you can point to a lot of the issues with that third cornerback spot and Tony Brown. 
uh, your defensive line again just library quiet you can't have that with all the investments you can't have that when you're facing a Derek Carr um, and, and, a, and a Saints team that I think has some skill players you know we kind of talked about it all week long leading into it uh, their O-line and their quarterback play has been the issue but when you let them operate like they did uh, they're going to have time to make plays and they certainly did that and now that's three straight losses and you know, we have, it's become all too common of an occurrence, Andy. It's almost like a Halloween ritual here in this market where, as of late, you get to Halloween and you're like, damn, it's turning into like mock draft season. And the margin just thins and thins and thins. The inability to win at home. I mean, one and nine in your last 10 games inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. And if you look at the AFC right now, you look at the 16 teams in this conference, Andy, you're only better than one of them by record. It's New England. That's the only team below you right now in the AFC when you look at these 16 teams. Um, and, and yesterday, I thought you got back into that Shane Steichen kind of game management, whether it was the abandonment of the run. I would take it a step further. Yes, it was Taylor, but I thought they just got away from the run game. I mean, Zach Moss busted a 41-yarder there in the in the second half. You, you moved it. The best drive of your second half was when you ran it with Moss, actually. And I thought you got away from your strength again. Uh, and then, obviously, just sticking with Tony Brown throughout that game, uh, no in-game benching, nothing. Um, a, a career special teamer, a guy that didn't even practice on Friday. I think people forgot he was questionable for the game. He had a ribs injury. Like, it wasn't even a slam dunk. He would play in the game, and Shane's talking afterwards like, oh, no, we felt good about Tony all week long and the plan and this and that. Yeah, you didn't. Um, <laughs> clearly, the Saints felt good about their plan and throwing at him on a down-in, down-out basis. So, uh, 24, 36 hours ahead of the NFL trade deadline. Uh, I will echo what I said last week. You need to look long and hard at moving pieces that you do not view as part of your future. Uh, and I did not feel that way on Thursday and Friday last week. We talked about this. You, you were very strong. Hey, if you're not going to utilize these pieces next season, then you need to do something. And I was very much, and I don't know why. KB, I don't know why. I was very much a, let's kind of wait and see what's going to happen in this game. Because I could still paint the picture. I guess here's the thing. And, and I and I understand that I'm new to the show. I, perhaps... Perhaps we're being too nice to the Colts. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm a huge part of that. Maybe I'm a contributing factor, KB, to some of this because I kept saying last week. Listen, listen, you're three and four. This is a team in the Saints that has lost four out of their last five games, and the only game they won wedged in there was a blowout win against New England, who we know is at the who is a bottom of the barrel team this season who is going to be going through, you know, potentially going through GM, coaching, quarterback. I mean, the big three when you talk about changes to any NFL team. But you could paint the picture. If you show up in this one and you get to 500, at that point, Carolina had not won a game. They won yesterday, beat the Texans, by the way. Carolina had not won a game. And we talked about how bad the Patriots are. And that's the nicest thing I can say today is can they get to 5-5? Five and five? I mean, it's the, it's the only positive spin because you had the Saints walk into Lucas Oil and open up the bag. 
and open up the offensive bag. They got two running backs, three running backs. Carr got in, uh, got involved. Taysom Hill got involved. Taysom Hill was a huge part. I mean, they had all these red zone issues. Red zone issues. Wow, they can't score in the red zone. Had no problems yesterday. Um, this team is not deep enough, and we knew it, to be able to sustain a suspension like Grover Stewart. A couple guys not show up, and then the injuries they have had specifically at defensive back. So, I don't know. To me, there are big-time narratives. You can't win at Lucas Oil. You're 3-5 and five now with us talking today and tomorrow about you selling. This is now, what, three games, at least back-to-back games, where the in-game management, not the initial game plan, but the in-game management of your head coach has not been very good, and you lose to a ho-hum team that, again, lost four out of their last five. You ran the ball six times in the second half. Jonathan Taylor touched the ball. Your first play of the third quarter did not touch it again until damn near, what, nine minutes to go in the game. I I just, I don't even know what to say uh, about that. I mean, listen, we'll we'll, we'll get into it. 2-3-9-10-70, but yesterday was a disappointing one, and now you look at the season, and I I don't know what the objective here is the rest of the way. It feels like it's settled in that there's no Anthony Richardson. Now you're settled into the middle of a football season where these guys are going to have to figure something out somewhere along the line. You know, I think what adds to the frustration yesterday, Andy, one and nine in your last ten at Lucas Oil speaks for itself. But let's look at the reasons why you lost yesterday. You lost yesterday because you committed to a youth movement at corner and whether it was after the Stephon Gilmore trade, after the suspension of Isaiah Rodgers, after the injury situation with Juju Brents or Dallas Flowers, you were gung-ho about sticking to this youth movement. Yet, you let Darius Rush go at the end of the preseason cuts when I'm thinking to myself, boy, that would be a guy that at some point you would like to turn to. You think you want to turn to a career special teamer in Tony Brown? And for those unfamiliar, which I would guess a lot of people are unfamiliar with Tony Brown before yesterday, he is a nickel corner. He is a slot corner more than an outside corner. I was, I cannot tell you how stunned I was on the opening snap when I saw him lined up outside. I thought to myself, wait a minute. Tony Brown, the guy that didn't practice Friday, the guy that is just a slot corner and has what? Barely. I mean, he is a, he is, uh, I'm trying to think of old Colts special teams guru. I, Jamie Silva, <laughs> you know, all these like Colts special teamers. That's why he's still in the league, Andy, not because he plays corner. So the, probably the biggest positional offseason question was a reason why you lost. Then you point to your defensive line, which again is supposed to be an on-paper strength. It's supposed to be an investment. It's a, it is a heavily invested group, and you hit Derek Carr twice yesterday. Twice, Buckner had the strip sack and one other hit. That was it. Your your, your pass rush again, totally quiet. And to me, Andy, I put more onus on that group yesterday with the corners, almost to be expected. But your defensive line. You should have higher expectations. So those are the two reasons. And then you flip over to the other side of the ball. And again, your strength on that side of the ball is what? It's a duo of Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss. I want to make sure I have these numbers right because they are incredibly eye-popping to me, Andy, in an absolutely positive light. Jonathan Taylor yesterday carries the ball 12 times for 95 yards. That is a yards per carry of 7.9. Zach Moss... 11 carries for 66 yards. That is a yards per carry of 6.0. I'm guessing here, Andy, I bet in the 40-year history of the Indianapolis Colts, 
there is not more than one or two games they have had two running backs carry the ball at least double digits. We're talking 12 and 11 and have yards per carry numbers north of six. We all watch running backs around the NFL. You don't have that effectiveness. And for you to abandon the run game, again, yes, I thought the lack of usage for Taylor stands out, but I thought in general you just got away from the run game in a contest that the score was really back and forth, one score game until early, early in that fourth quarter. It's not like you were coming from behind and had to chuck it all over the field. So you point to the three reasons why you lost. Stubborn offseason playing at corner, and then arguably your best strength defensively, your D-line, and your best strength offensively, your running back duo, that to me I think just adds to the frustration. This was not Minshew five turnovers. This yeah. was not he, he had a know, ba- he had a bad play, sure. but for the, but for the most part, right? He was asked to do quite a bit in the second half. You're putting stuff on his plate like he's Mahomes, like he's Hurts, like he's you know Josh Allen, like he, he's one of these quarterbacks. And to me, that is just not a recipe for success at all. And now you sit here with the midway point of the season this week, and again, I, in, in my opinion, you have to have a very real question about how you handle the trade deadline uh, coming up on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, you've seen the stats out there. Tony Brown, uh, the next-gen stats, seven catches against him for a buck 87 and a touchdown. That's in 27 snaps. You saw the one that ended the game. Uh, we'll get to some Tony Brown sound. We have Shane Steichen sound, Gardner Minshew as we go today. We'll take your calls, 239-1070, as we go as well. And this is a... It's a Jonathan Taylor thing, but it's a running thing as well. You know, I thought after Moss busted the big play for 41 yards, there's five minutes and change to go there. I mean, this is, this is a long time to go in this game. It's 21-20, and you bust third that Third quarter, long. right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's five minutes yeah. to go in the third quarter, and you bust that long run. Then you do go back to a, a run there, and then that's ultimately where you have the bad interception. And I know you were at the game. Mark, I assume you were watching it with the sound up. Yes. I'm watching it. You know what the Sanchez, you know what Mark Sanchez is talking about before they throw the pick? The Colts are getting what they want on the ground. They need to keep running. So while this is not totally a JT thing, that would have been the perfect time where after a 41-yard run when you're controlling things and the game's 21-20 and you're in field goal range to put Jonathan Taylor back in the game. And again, you could keep running Moss there, but if I'm going to feed it... Yeah, Moss is probably tired. Sure, that's what I'm thinking. He just had a 41-yard play. He got another, what, three, four-yard run. Okay, now let's go go back to Jonathan Taylor. and, And I I don't know if that is something that Steichen, that's the type of play that other quarterbacks that he has coached, other offenses that he has been in charge of uh, can come up with, but not there. And then, you know, if you go right back to the, you know, they come down and score, it's 28-20 and you're at the end of the third quarter. Oh, so again, three straight runs so, up so, so, so again, you have this, it goes first and 10 and you get lucky that it is an incompletion and it's not a fumble from Gardner Minshew and then it's pass, pass, punt. And so, you know, when I'm picking on Steichen, whether it be abandoning the run or abandoning Jonathan Taylor, those are the two 
times that I'm specifically talking about. When it's 21-20, you get the run, you see what is working there, and then when it's 28-20, you have you know a little bit of the third quarter, and KB, you have the entire fourth quarter, and you get lucky that it's not a fumble, and then you go pass, pass, and at that point, uh, at that point, New Orleans started to do what you said, and that's they got what they wanted basically in the fourth quarter. And I'll echo what I said a couple weeks ago, Andy, when they kind of threw up the white flag in Jacksonville and didn't even really attempt to run it in that game. To me, you commit to a run game because you know the early investments might not be there, but you're hoping to reap something in the second half. When did Moss hit the 41-yarder? Third quarter. Third quarter, five minutes Look to go. Look at Jonathan Taylor's career. The big plays for Taylor, the vast majority of them come in the second halves of games. What happened with the Saints all week long? They had like a rather serious illness going through their entire football Guys team. Guys said they had diarrhea. Everyone had diarrhea. Michael Thomas <laughs> said he had nine IV bags oh, Saturday man. and Sunday. It's like a weekend in Vegas. I think I'd want to test that. I think I would want to say, okay, 60 minutes, ground and pound. This is our strength. You clearly couldn't stop it in the first quarter. That was one of the best first quarters Jonathan Taylor's ever had in his career. And yet again, you kind of let off the gas and say, you know what? 60-minute boxing match, yeah, we're going to let up there in rounds 8, 9, 10 when you could have your opponent on the ropes. So that just adds to uh, my disagreement there with how you handled it. In no game right now, in especially a one-possession back-and-forth affair, should Taylor and Moss combine for 23 carries and Gardner Minshew chuck it 41 times. I'm Kevin Bowen. He is Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton and Andy Sweeney both watch their teams. Oh, just unbelievable. I kind of I just, was watching NyQuil basically I, in, in the kitchen. Fortunate in the, the Chargers in my Survivor League helps us move on. Thank you, Mark. Here's where I'm at. The kid was up. It was kind of a long weekend, so I'm dog-tired. The Colts lost. Uh, me and Mark are sitting here as as, as you know, beaten man and then uh, men, I should say, and then like, I have no brain today, okay? And that's probably, you know, listeners are probably fine with that. And then I'm taking out the trash last night. You know, you take the old trash bin out to the, out to the street so they can pick it up this morning phone falls out of the pocket kb broken screen oh my gosh Bro- broken screen and of course it's out of the you know two years apple care because it's an iphone of 12 course. max and people don't care so what do you do you just spend 300 dollars on a new one or no you just go and you, you 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 do the at&t or verizon and you pay whatever it is a month and you just get a new phone so that's where i'm going after happy monday after after my the show monday today was to do that Ugh. i smoked the baby gate this morning took the entire baby <laughs> gate down and max woke up oh no. That's always fun. Like, oh, imagine the no. you know the, the, the aircraft carrier oh. sound machine not being loud enough to where I was so loud running over the baby gate oh. that Max woke up. So oh. let's just say Maddie Bowen, uh, <laughs> very understandably, not too happy. By were, the way, Maddie were, and Rosie were at the game yesterday. And were they really? Good for Maddie them. Maddie said to Rosie, Mommy, or uh, Maddie said to Rosie, yes. Uh, Rosie, <laughs> we're here to cheer for the Colts. She goes, we're here to cheer for the cheerleaders. <laughs> you know what? Good and, enough. And they might have, you know, cheerleaders in a Halloween costume, I can probably get behind. Uh, shout out to <laughs> fair point. <laughs> shout out to a couple of listeners that were sitting oh, behind man. Maddie. I want to make sure I get uh, their names right. Andrew, Brandon, and Jake on this Monday morning. Maddie said they were great. See, they should have played and a joke on your family and talked junk about you, man. This, <laughs> this bone guy's in AH, man. What's he going to so, say about this game on Monday? Unfortunately, the far too often <laughs> theme of watching a losing product inside oh. a Lucas Oil Stadium was there for the home fans on Sunday. All right, we'll obviously get your reactions to it all. Three one. Seven two three nine ten seventy at Kbo and ten seventy on Twitter. At-
at the only Sweeney. Ugly week, ugly yeah. forecast for Halloween tomorrow. Not ideal at all. Uh, thank you for tuning in, though. It is the wake up call with KB and Andy on 93.5107.5, the fan. The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. All right, morning check down. Saints winners, 38-27. We'll get to some calls after this. 239-1070. Worth playing some sound. We talked about the running game. We talked about Jonathan Taylor. Here's nine seconds of Shane Steichen on the lack of JT in the second half. In that situation, whatever, Zach popped a big one. So then, you know, we kept Zach in the game there. Just kind of read the hot hand there. And then, you know, we got into some passing situations towards the end there. And that's what led to it. Yeah, I know there are some questions <laughs> about the health of Jonathan Taylor. Uh, at one point, late second quarter, he was kind of like hopping up and down after a run in the huddle. Shane and JT both made it pretty clear after the game. No injury reasons for the lack of touches for him after the opening quarter. So again, pretty head-scratching to say the least. Now on the road, four of your next five. I guess that's a good thing, maybe, when you consider how you've played at home. It'll be at Carolina, fresh off their lone victory of the season. The first 405 kick. Gotta love the lone CBS window, Colts and Panthers at 405 next week. Frank Reich revenge game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Too early to ask for that. Uh, other week eight notes. How about Will Levis in that debut? Andy Sweeney. Just like I a, said. You had to crack a smile at that one, right? Well, I had to crack a smile, Will Levis. Uh, a, a, a number of different things here. Number one, they let the Atlanta let him throw the one ball that he can throw. And that is just step back and throw oh, the ball. No credit for he, the guy in his no, starting debut? He, he balled the hell out. I, I cannot say. I thought he was going to throw two picks. If you would have said, is he going to throw four touchdowns or two interceptions, I would have put all my money on the two interceptions. And then after the game, he's hugging his family. Do you happen to see this? His family comes down know. to like the front row and he's like hugging his family and his sis, his hot sisters are there and everything Whoa, else. Geez. And then there's like a, there's some nerd standing right next to his family trying to get his autograph, trying to get his autograph on like a jersey or something while he's like weeping with his family after they having this great, great moment. Like, hey, read the room, buddy. Okay? He's get vulnerable. Out of here. Time yeah. to slide in there at that point. <laughs> read the Maybe room. he's asking for one of the hot sisters' I phone I was going to say, yeah. It could be uh, Can you sign this, Miss. A little bit of a double move there. Uh, how about the Broncos over the Chiefs yesterday? Easily the biggest upsets. Uh, what else stood out to you guys from Week Eight in the NFL? Bengals taking it to yeah. the 49ers. Bengals are back. Is that yeah, right? I, I would say Bengals Niners. Niners going the wrong way. They get a bye, and now the Bengals at four and three on the season. I mean, Bengals control probably seventy five percent of that game. Uh, Kirk Cousins uh, reportedly a torn Achilles, so a brutal injury not only for the Vikings, but also for Kirk Cousins as he is a free agent. It'll be Raiders and Lions to close out Monday Night Football here in Week 8. Jordan Love stinks also, by the he way. Does. He stinks. He yeah, not been a good start for Jordan Love. All right, inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, uh, I would say a lot of Colts fans were like, well, at least we've got the Pacers. 2-0 <laughs> on the year. Uh, Saturday night, honestly, if you if you missed it, it was a bit similar to Wednesday night. Very slow start for your starting unit. Uh, Karis LeVert went off against his former team in the first quarter. But the quality, legit depth, again, on display. Aaron Neesmith was outstanding in Cleveland. TJ McConnell was in the rotation. 
he was critical as well. Uh, and then Tyrese Halliburton, who was questionable coming in the game with an illness, he made some big time closing threes, a little chirping with the Cleveland fans. Oh, I love that. So two zero on the year for the Pacers. They are now home for. I think it's six of their next seven. It is Chicago tonight, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The Pacers in that one. Zach Levine did go for 51 the other night for Chicago. Yeah, quickly, uh, local college hoops. Indiana over UND, 74-52. That was yesterday. Mackenzie and Baco, 14-8. Khalil Ware, 14-6. Did I see and the then, Fighting Paul Casaros had the lead at halftime? Uh, I believe they did, yes. And then Purdue lost an exhibition to Arkansas. Arkansas, their 95 guards that they have, 81-77, Edie, 15-9 in the loss there. That game was for charity, by the way. How about uh, that? Good for them. Nothing like it's, you know, it's basketball season when we don't even talk about IU and Purdue's football just games just, first. We go to the exhibition just, basketball just games. Do, what do people want? Do Indiana they want to cover? Yeah, do they want to know? Indiana easily hey, covered. Hey, they easily covered. They did. Best game they played. Moral victory, uh, Tom Allen. Moral victory, to say the least. Purdue, Loser Oof. play calls from IU Oof. late in that game, however. Uh, Purdue awful uh, in Lincoln. Uh, they get blown out by Nebraska. Any, any sort of whatever. Glimmer of hope at eligibility is gone. Notre Dame puts up 58 on Pittsburgh. Uh, and Game 3 of the World Series back underway tonight. Uh, that will be a 1-1 series as it shifts to Arizona. The Diamondbacks get a win in Game 2. All right, on the other side, we'll continue the Colts conversation from yesterday. Take your thoughts as well. 317-239-1070 at KBowen1070 at the only Sweeney on Twitter. Thank you for tuning in to the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Uh, some scheduling stuff. Colts roundtable tonight at 5.30 on the fans. So a little bit less of JMV. And then Pacers-Bulls coverage beginning at 6.30. Uh, KB, I did see Halliburton jaw at a fan in that game. I love that stuff. Oh, that was great. Well, <laughs> and, and, and I honestly, absolutely love it. Just closer Tyrese Halliburton. You know, every NBA team, you know, what do you look like in those final few minutes? You know, that's when possessions get a little slow, a little bit more half-court based. Uh, and Halliburton, some big, big threes on Saturday night as the Pacers move to 2-0. I was saying this to JMV yesterday morning. It's rare that I like go into an NBA game and think to myself, like, not must win, but like the Pacers should really win this game. Saturday night was one of those. Cleveland was on a back-to-back. No Donovan Mitchell, no Darius Garland, no Jared Allen. Uh, we talked about it last week. That's a team that finished, obviously, above you in the standings. You would think at the end of the year they're going to be around you, or you would hope uh, that you're in that range. So important for the Pacers to get that victory. And once again, the second unit, uh, outstanding on Saturday night. You know what it always makes me think of? You know the the, uh, the movie Moneyball where Brad Pitt is like, hey, listen, if they're going to give you a walk or they're going to throw a ball, you just go ahead and take it. Well, if Cleveland's going to go ahead and just rest their entire yeah. team right. and you're the Indiana Pacers, well, you walk in and you go ahead and you take that victory. I think back to a game last year <laughs> over here at Gamebridge Fieldhouse where that was one of those like Brooklyn Net rest games. Yeah. You know, Duran, oh, Kyrie, sure. you know, all these guys sure. resting. 
and the Pacers lost. So, you know, those nights present itself. Oh, sure they do. It's your job to take advantage of them. The Pacers did after a slow start in that first quarter. All right, obviously reacting. Tons of phone calls today. We'll get to them here in just a second. 239-1070 if you're joining us on the wake-up call. Uh, Again, just to to kind of go over what I said, I I think there are are big-picture items. The fact they can't win in Lucas Oil, I think some of the in-game, middle-of-the-game Shane Steichen stuff uh, is, I mean, there's a couple games now to where I think he's been good on the front end of the game, maybe not so much uh, in the middle of the game. Tony Brown was an absolute disaster yesterday, again, in just 27 snaps, seven uh, seven uh, catches, a buck 87, and a touchdown. All the running stuff, only six rushes in the entire second half. Jonathan Taylor, just two touches in the second half. We can dive to all of that. And you know what's also kind of frustrating about it all, KB, is you did kind of have the football gods smile on you a little bit. You know, I mean, like, you know, I mean, Gardner Minshew had an incompletion that was very, very close to being a fumble. It would have been a scoop and score. That would have been a substantial play. But they also, you know, it's mid-third quarter. Now, this is the possession before Moss breaks off the big 41-year-old, 41, not year old, 41-yard gain. Um, You have Chris Olave have a ball hit him dead square in the helmet, in the face mask. I mean, that is a walk That's a walk-in touchdown that is taken off the board. So again, the game's 21-20 at that point. You have Chris Olave have it go off his face mask, and then you move the ball. You're running the football, and you have a chance. And to me, that is where the Pittman, uh, you know, double move, whatever it was, you look in the end zone, Minshew throws the interception, the combined with the football gods trying to smile down on you, and then that, you know, not incompletion, should have been that interception to me. That really is where things started to change with about five minutes to go in the third quarter. Yeah, and, and you know, again, the, the usage of Jonathan Taylor uh, to me is pretty obvious, especially when it was clear from him and Shane Steichen. Uh, that there was no injury situation involving him. But I, I just thought you got away from your run game way too much. And, you know, it, it's a lot of blind loyalty with Gardner Minshew right now. And again, Minshew stayed away from like the multiple catastrophic turnovers. He obviously had one yesterday. But Andy, it's not like you were throwing it with great success. Gardner Minshew ended the game with five yards per pass attempt. That's not good for those unfamiliar with what that stat usually means. 23 of 41. Yeah, and what was it? 213 yards? Uh, That is not good whatsoever. So uh, when you have a stretch in the game, I believe there was a five-drive stretch where you combined to score three points. So it's not like, Andy, you were moving it through the air and you were scoring on a consistent basis. You hit a big lull there when New Orleans kept on scoring, kept on scoring, kept on scoring, and and that contributed to it. Again, I thought it was the worst game of the season for Gus Bradley's unit by far. Uh, New Orleans had 38 points. That's three straight games you've allowed over 37. I think that's a bit of a skewed number, though, because, again, you didn't have the multiple turnovers contributing to either direct points like Cleveland did yesterday. This one's worse. Or short fields. Right. You look at New Orleans' seven scoring drives, Andy, all seven of them went at least 58 yards. So, I mean, these are long scoring drives for a unit that, if you look at New Orleans' season so far, they can't score. The one game they scored was New England, and that was, you know, Honey Badger pick six, and, you know, they had several turnovers in that game, a lot of long field goals in that game. 
that kind of helped their scoring numbers. This was just routinely going up and down the field on you with no pass rush whatsoever, and then obviously roasting uh, Tony Brown. I sit here on Monday, Andy, and I'm thinking to myself, there is so much good that Shane Steichen has done offensively. So much good. Again, the Colts, once again, hit that 20-point mark. Hell, they hit it before the first half. But I still have some questions game management. and You have to. I, you have to. I would say it started probably midway through the second quarter, maybe late in the second quarter. But every single defensive drive that started, I looked down and thought, is Tony Brown still in the game? And that's where, as a head coach, you're not fully cognizant of what's going on defensively and who is getting burnt defensively. How is there not more of a serious discussion in-game of, hey, you think we should bench Tony? You think we should try something different? You know, I brought up late last week, you know, what about Kenny Moore outside? Get Nick Cross on the field a little bit more. Julian Blackman's a guy that has played nickel for you before. It's not like it'd be some foreign concept to him. All of a sudden, boom, Blackman's on the field. And I think the other frustrating part is when you have losses, and this kind of goes with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, the Anthony Richardson experience with losses it would leave you a little bit more content of like, oh, wait, at least he's growing. At least he is getting exposure to these moments. Andy, Tony Brown is not some young, important draft pick that you want to grow. Tony Brown's been in the NFL for six years. He's an undrafted free agent. Like It's not like you have this investment in him. So the thinking I have with the thought I brought up last week of if you were to get Kenny Moore outside, that would bump Nick Cross onto the field. That's more the youth movement. So to me, it, it just at least it's a guy you haven't seen. It stings even more yeah. when it's the six-year veteran who's the undrafted free agent, who's a special teamer, who's not even used to playing outside corner. He's a slot corner that he's the guy that you try out there. This wasn't Jalen Jones getting burnt consistently. This wasn't you know Juju Brents. This wasn't uh, you know Amir Speed. For those unfamiliar with him, it's a guy the Colts claimed a six-round pick from New England last year. They claimed him a couple weeks ago. It'd be one thing, Andy, if we watched him baptism by by fire, and you're thinking, all right. We'll see what we got. Maybe what it looks like in October is like Bernard Ryman last year in October. And you fast forward to December, and now all of a sudden the moments look a little better. Like, that's not with Tony Brown. So, to me, on so many levels, you talk about in-game management with Shane Steichen. He's the head coach. Ultimately, he oversees Gus Bradley. He oversees Tony Brown. So, the inability to insert yourself and say, guys... They are picking on him like none other. It is dropped back. No matter who is opposite Tony Brown, we're throwing at him. That, to me, just kind of adds to, um, I think, one of the very few Shane Steichen questions you have at this point of the season. But it is an important one when you talk about his career moving forward. Well, and and listen, in the 8 o'clock hour, I want to dive into how do you now feel about trading some of these guys away? And I, I mean, I really feel like we sit here at three and five KB and I can, I can try to sell you that this team can go be five and five, but guess what? 
the Carolina Panthers at home on Sunday are viewing you the same way that you have been viewing them. The New England Patriots in two weeks are viewing you as a chance to get a win in Germany just like you're viewing them. And I I, I feel like I would be silly here to try to sell any positivity of, well, this team can be 500 and then you get to the bye week and, you know, who knows no, about Tennessee. No, you can't Tennessee. go there right now. No, I I just, no. I just don't. I feel like this game for me was a breaking point, and I wonder a mini breaking point, and I wonder as well if Shane Steichen is calling what he wants to call, or is he looking at what's going on on the field as it pertains to the amount of throws and kind of game flow in the middle of a game. I worry about that a little bit. He's got a, he like he, he got you got Zach Moss and you got Jonathan Taylor. That's the strength of your football yeah, team. It, the, the, right? The vibes are almost like I'm so smart offensively. Watch me create this balance. You know, watch me get Gardner Minshew to have 330 yards and a big pass and I'm like, dude, it, it, like just don't overthink it. I mean, Taylor and Moss is your strength. Run game, body blows, third quarter, fourth quarter, see what happens. The Saints are puking and diarrhea all week long. <laughs> Test that. <laughs> I mean that in all seriousness. I, I know they had diarrhea all they had diarrhea all week. Yeah, a handful of yeah. guys with illnesses on the injury report. <laughs> IV bags Michael, galore Michael Sunday Thomas morning. Had nine IV bags. See is what, he what said. is going to happen. Well, plus the offensive line is your strength. Right. Is one of your strengths, along with again, running backs who are averaging seven and six yards per carry. It's unbelievable. And and I do want to make sure that, yes, again, the Tony Brown constant roasting. Part of me, though, sits there and says, what did you expect? You kind of walked into this, and I don't want to lose sight of this, Andy, because I know we can fall down the rabbit hole of just kind of two main storylines. Right. Abandoning the run, and then Tony Brown. Your defensive line, way too bleeping quiet. Watch the third and 13 there, the game ceiling play. Third and 13, the Colts bring six. They You bring six, you either expect to A, get home to a statute quarterback, or B, disrupt the timing to where Carr can't... I mean, that was a beautiful in-stride ball the Carr threw to ice the game. Obviously, Tony Brown gets burnt, but the thought on that play is we're bringing six, so that play can't happen. And you don't do that. Two hits against Derek Carr all game long for the what, third or fourth Monday in a row, we talk about Quiddy Pay incredibly quiet as a pass rusher. And this was against the Saints offensive line, Andy, that had struggled, had struggled to protect Carr. Um, and, and that, to me, honestly, might be more of an issue when you consider the investments. Tony Brown, it's more of what do you think was going to happen. Sure. Your defensive line, it's, wait a minute, this is continuing to happen? Yeah, it could be Grover Stewart. It could be, listen, it could be a number of things. But Grover, but regardless, he ain't a pass rusher. No, regardless, you got to get to the quarterback. And they got to, I mean, the Saints basically got to open up their entire arsenal. I mean, they're running multiple running backs. Jamal Williams is back. I mean, Carr is a guy as well that you need to be, you need to hit Carr, right? I mean, he's a guy that gets shaken up a lot during games. Well, they have talent on the jersey. perimeter. I mean, sure. Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, uh, Shahid is, a, is clearly a guy that can go over the top, and he has been that. So y- you've got to disrupt up front because if you, I mean, we've seen it. Colts fans are used to this with Carr. If you give him time, he can't operate like that. And again, I go back to last Thursday when I thought Carr looked broken for the majority of that game. Jacksonville got after him. 
and they really got him off his spot. Uh, and he has struggled this season. The Colts gave him way too big of an out. All right, uh, let's take some calls. 317-239-1070. Uh, let's begin with Paul. Paul, uh, stay as warm as you can on the uh, on the old mail routes this week, man. Yeah, I will. Thank you very much. Um, real fast, uh, it might be time to sit Gardner Minshew. These last three games, he has cost us with turnovers. I don't know what he was thinking when he threw it up in uh in the third quarter to when that we when we had the twenty one to twenty lead. Also Shane Steichen, how can you have a running back with ninety yards in the first half and then he finishes the game with ninety five yards? Then the last thing, Chris Ballard, you cut our second best corner at the end of the preseason and you let him go as a rookie to another team. I don't understand anything that's been happening these last three weeks with my Colts. I love the Colts, but something has got to change. And if Gardner Minshew isn't the answer at backup quarterback, place Tim Ellinger. Because what could be worse? I, I know you. I know a lot of people don't want to hear it, but what is Gardner Minshew doing? Nothing except turning the ball over to the other team. Paul, thank you. High energy from Paul on the mail route here. Good luck. I'm just picturing him just kicking leaves as he's going house to house. He's thinking just throwing about, those packages. That's a miserable door. job today and tomorrow. About, and coming gosh, up in the next few months. Uh, ugly. Get the boots out. Bless uh, you, Paul. One, th- I want to toss the Minshew Ellinger thing at you. One thing to note, because I mentioned this earlier in the show, I was able to look it up during the break. Uh, Taylor and Moss, again, both of them double-digit carries, both of them over six yards per carry. Third time in the 40-year history of the Indianapolis Colts franchise, they've had a pair of running backs do that in a game. Third time in the 40-year history you've had that sort of run production, and yet we sit here on a Monday, and we're talking about Gardner Minshew throwing it 18 times more than those who touched it. And Andy, it's not like they even touched in the pass game. You know, you know Taylor. There's times, hey, get him some sure, touches. He had one of those in the past. One game, of those in the fourth quarter for two yards. One catch. Uh, I asked that question. After I know the game In my five things learned, I don't know. I don't think I'm one thousand percent on this Monday morning. You've got to bench Minshew. What are you? Okay, you're you're not going to like my answer. I'm an I don't care on this. I, I don't feel I'm not going to yell and scream and be passionate one way is or, that because or, of or another. Ellinger or is that because yeah, of Minshew? Yeah, it's yes. Just okay. just okay. There's two things. Number one, I mean Sam Ellinger is a is a he's a third stringer. He's a fringe guy. Let's just be. Let's just say what it is. So the thought of him coming in and may I mean maybe you get a couple possessions where you can do something that might trick a defense. But in the end, no defensive coordinator is going to be wowed by anything that Sam Ellinger does. And then the second thing, I feel like the Steichen-Minchu relationship is a strong one. And I feel like Minchu is here because of Steichen. And I feel like Steichen trusts him. And that's kind of his guy. And so if he had to go to the backup route, this is his guy. But this is what we do with Gardner Minchu. He has a few games. It's what we do with backup quarterbacks. I mean, the Giants kind of did it with Tyrod Taylor. Does he need to start? 
Uh, the Bears did it. How did that go? That lasted one game. The Bears did this thing. Well, we bring him the backup quarterback, and Minshew played some nice football, and it's fun, and he's got the long hair and everything else. And then, you know, when you kind of get into, okay, now teams have seen a lot of you. This is this is what happened. So, am I passionate about Sam Ellinger? If they if they made the move, fine. I'm not just. I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna yell and scream about it. I'm not gonna call for it. I'm not gonna be overcritical if they do decide to do it. I mean, to to me, it's a nothing burger right now. It just is. You know, I'm too tired to have this conversation, (laughs) and it's October 30th, so I'm not ready to have it either. But Andy, if for some reason this goes down the tracks that's going down right now, and if three straight turns into five straight, you could do it. Sure. To me, it's Kellen Mond coming out of the bye. I don't disagree. I know again, this is not a conversation that I really want to have. And I'm not there. I want to make that clear here on October 30th. I've seen Sam Ellinger. So, to me, it's like, okay, the the former third-round pick in Mond, he's got a skill set that's somewhat intriguing. Obviously, it hasn't worked out. If you're going to do something at that point, three and seven, that's the route I would go. But, again, I don't think we're there right now with that. Uh, I believe Sam, speaking of Sam, uh, he wanted to talk some Gus Bradley. Is that right, Mark? One of many topics. Hey, hey, Sam. Guys. Hey there, can you hear me? Loud and clear, brother. Awesome. The biggest thing, dude. So when we went into this season, remember, we were, hey, this is a top, like, 12 defense. For one, uh, the biggest thing, obviously, the Minshew turnover. We're driving. Uh, we throw a pick. It was 21-20 at that point. After that, we abandoned the run game. And with Minshew, yeah, it's for ratings. It makes losing exciting, I guess. But uh, it is what it is. Also, um, dude, third and 13, we're clawing back in the game. It was like 35-27. Uh, Tony Brown's been getting burnt all game. Gus Bradley calls press man. I wouldn't have called that in Madden. And <laughs> with, with a full-on blitz, and we get burnt, sealed the game. So the defense has given up 40 points a game. Uh, the only thing to build on is, Downs, Pittman, you know, JT and Moss, our offensive line. Downs was great. I mean, we got to get you know IR five back, and uh, the defense needs to find uh, the defense has lost all it. I mean, they stick with the Halloween theme. Alvin Kamara ran a draw right up the middle, and uh, Leonard pulled a Casper. <sighs> And just disappeared. <laughs> Look at that, Sam. <laughs> I'm telling you. Sam's giving us a, a Casper the Ghost reference here on Halloween Eve. About a headless horseman Absolutely reference love at some that point. By Sam. It is um it's kind of amazing to me, and I guess it, it's fitting in the Frank Reich week, and it's fitting that we watched Matt Eberflus last night on Sunday night football. I found it interesting, Andy, that the last two head coaches of the Colts, granted Chris Ballard you know, penned Matt Eberflus on Gus Bradley, and I guess in a way, although Shane Steichen, I think, would have gone the same route, Gus Bradley was kind of pinned on Shane Steichen. Two very offensive-minded head coaches, I would say two coaches that are more aggressive than most, they both have opted for defensive coordinators that don't fall anywhere near the aggressive angle to it, and are very, very gung-ho about these are our principles. These are our beliefs. These are our ways. We're not deviating from them at all. I, I, I was stunned that Tony Brown kept his job for all sixty minutes yesterday. Stunned. Like you have other. I mean, hell, uh, I'll see Daryl Baker Jr. again. 
I tweeted out in game. Why not Kenny Moore outside? Move Julian Blackman, who played nickel corner for you last year. Why not move him down into that slot role? I, the stubbornness for a 60 minute outing, in a way, I sat there and watched the third and 13 to ice the game. It was a perfect ending. And I'm like, you know what? That is the yeah. cherry on top. Yeah, it like, really the, is. The, the, like, the Colts deserve that. Right, right. Brown gets beat. You get no pressure. Carr right. gets an easy throw, 51 yards. Boom. There's, there's and at the that ball point, game. Lucas yeah. Oil was about 50% full. Like, I mean, fans had already no. had enough. They talked about it on the broadcast. Sanchez is like, hey, don't be leaving yet. This is still a game. And literally, I think it was two plays later. Literally. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> he said it on and, first down, and on third down, they hit the big play. And you know what, Andy? Part of me wants to sit here and say, because, you know, Maddie Bowen and Rosie, granted, Rosie's three years old, uh, one of those exiting. Part of me wants to be like, <laughs> come on, stay in your seats. It's a one possession game. But you know what? When your product has told your home fan base, we've lost now nine of our last ten games in this, in this stadium, I don't blame fans. As much as I want to sit here and be a passionate, 60 minutes, stay all in, it's an awful weather day, you're going to be probably walking in the rain to your car, it's cold, and you know what's going to happen. We, like Everyone in the building almost knew what was going to happen, so those, whatever, 50% of fans that exited... They just knew the script before we all had to watch it unfold. All right, 8 o'clock hour. We'll continue this conversation. Plenty of calls to get to as well. It is an ugly, ugly-looking Monday morning in Indianapolis. Thank you, though, for spending. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And then with us, wake up call, KB and Andy. All right, uh, appreciate everyone hanging on. We're going to get you your calls, 239-1070, 8 o'clock hour. As always, hanging out here in the Drive, Hubler.com studios. Busy, busy, busy uh, querying company coming your way at new JMV at 3 o'clock today. And then you're not going to want to miss the Colts roundtable coming up at 5.30. And then Pacers coverage at 6.30. We need the Pacers to, to keep winning here. <laughs> go beat the Bulls. Is that in reference to my <laughs> bank account or is that in reference to... Just go... I. Listen, it's good for my bank account as emotions well. Emotions of just, the fan base. Just the emotions. Someone's well, we'll, got to win around here. Being we'll, the Bulls isn't that hard of a well, task. We will read some fan <laughs> tweets later. I think there was a lot of at least it's Pacers season feel oh. to all of it there. Yeah, 2-0 in the air. Pacers home for six of their next seven. All right, we're going to go to the phone lines here, but uh, just, just, just quickly, okay? I just wanted to throw this out, and this is a list, and this is going to be unfair to some guys. And like Gardner Minshew's been playing a lot of football, a in his career, and b here. But yesterday, at one point on the field in the NFL, just this week, okay, and a lot of these guys kind of cross paths. You had Gardner Minshew, Zach Wilson, Tyrod Taylor. Someone by the name of Tommy DeVito, okay? Now that Cousins, he injured himself right at the end of the game. You know who his backup is? Jaron Hall. Jaron, J-A-R-E-N, yeah. not Jared. Col- Colts liked okay? him during the draft process. Jaron Hall, Jordan Love, who stinks. Tyler Hen- uh, Tyler Henneke came in for Desmond Ritter, who was terrible. I thought you see Hansborough. I'm like, oh my God, he's back. <laughs> Psycho T. Uh, Will Levis, Maserati Mitch Trubisky, 
P.J. Walker, Josh Dobbs, and how do you say your guy over there, Tyler... Uh, Tyson Bajan. Ty- Tyson Bajanit. Bajan. Bajan. Bajan Orange. Bajan. Disrespect the Bears secret quarterback that, like that? That, that? I mean, when we talk about it's the golden age of quarterbacking in the NFL, yeah, for some of you it is. And others of us have, you know, Josh Dobbs and Tommy DeVito leading their teams. Will Levis not on that list after yesterday. No, Will Levis, four touchdowns. Good for him. Uh, does this shift anything, trade deadline, for you? Uh, okay, so quickly for me, uh, it does. Because I now feel like this team is not going to be, is not going to sniff contention the rest of the way. The only thing nice I was going to try to throw your way is, can this team be 5-5? Five and five? Like, if, if you're a believer in the Colts, that's the only thing this morning that you could even hold on to is, well, Carolina stinks. We're still better than them. And, you know, right now, New England stinks. They lost again, another double-digit loss for the Patriots over the weekend to where you could say, well, you know, we're still better than the Patriots. And, and listen, it might not be bad analysis. This team getting the hell out of Lucas Oil is, you know, not because the crowd will turn against them, just because they can't win at Lucas Oil. Uh, going on the road ain't the worst thing in the world that would be the only that would be the most homer of homer takes the most positive pie in the sky type of take that you could have is well this team could get back to 500 and then you have a bye week and then Tampa's going to be whatever and then you you know and then you already beat Tennessee and they're going to have you know potentially Will Levis who again was very good on Sunday that would be the only positive but to me uh, to me there's probably what two three guys that you look at that that you got to you got to think long and hard if you can get a fifth rounder for something. I guess that would be it. What would kind of your breaking point of a, of a pick be? But I mean, there's probably what two, three guys at least on this roster. You're saying, hey, if they're not here come Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, that wouldn't surprise you. What do you think? Yeah, I, again, I'm gonna echo what I said last week, Andy. And if there is anybody you look in particular that 2024 free agency class, and you view them as not part of your plans. You map this out years in advance, Andy. And obviously things can be fluid, but you have it mapped out right now what you envision free agency to be like for your football team and mainly the re-signings that you're going to have. Obviously, you've taken care of Jonathan Taylor. Um, Okay, where's Michael Pittman fall on that list? Well, let's say you re-sign Michael Pittman. Boy, uh, that's going to take up a lot of cap space pretty quickly. Okay, where's Grover Stewart on that list? Where's Kenny Moore on that list? Where's Julian Blackman? Where's Zach Moss? Uh, you know, Mo Ali Cox and Shaq Leonard, those are some guys that have some outs in their respective contract situations. Where do those guys fit into your 2024 plans and beyond? To me, and I'll go back to the Bobby Okereke, um situation from, from last year. I think it was pretty clear at this time last year, it'd be difficult to re-sign Bobby Okereke. You know, him or EJ Speed, considering how much money you're paying mm-hmm. Leonard, considering you re-signed Franklin... Just numbers-wise, it got to the point where you're probably going to let Bobby walk. He's a good football player. You're going to re-sign EJ Speed. And, you know, linebacker's been a position Chris Bauer has drafted really well at. It's exactly what happened. But you got no return for Bobby. And that's disappointing. And in my opinion, you're honest with yourself on this Monday and then turning into Tuesday morning with the trade deadline tomorrow at 4. You're 3-5. and five. You've lost three straight. You look in the AFC right now. You have 16 teams in the conference. And only one of them has a worse record than you. That would be the Patriots. And if there are pieces on your... I'm not saying fire sale. This is not 
insert your Major League Baseball team that's won 30 games at the trade deadline. This is if you have pieces that are not part of your 2024 plans, you make calls, see if there are teams that are desperate out there, and see what you can get for some of these guys. I'm not expecting it, but that's the plan of attack I would have in the next 36 hours. That's how I feel. Is Blackman, Moss, and Moore, are those the big three? Blackman, Moss, Moore, yes. You think those are the big now, three? I can certainly hear people say, wait, you're going to trade Kenny Moore, and then you're going to watch the cornerback play look like it well, did? that was going to be my next thing. If you trade anybody, I mean, you're not. I mean, you're already not competitive in some of these positions. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not going to win. I mean, you trade some of these other guys that we're talking about, you're not going to win any games. And, and like that, that's the biggest... This is the problem is, at the beginning of the season, we had an objective, KB. We had an objective, and we'll get to your calls, 239-1070. We had an objective that Anthony Richardson, was the story for this season. That you could lose a game like yesterday, 38-27. That you could lose a game 39-38. That you could lose a game 37-20. And it wasn't okay, but we could come in here and we could talk about, damn, if, if, if Anthony Richardson could just clean this up or that up, look how great he was in the first quarter, in the second quarter, in the fourth quarter. And that would be the conversation. It would be the, the winning and losing would almost be dare I say, a sidebar for some people. And I think that's that's the narrative that we had going into the season. And then Anthony Richardson, before it was season ending, it was, okay, this guy's injured, in comes Minshew, you look at the Baltimore win, uh, you look at the Texans win, that you know that Houston win started to look nice, and, and, and you've won some games, and then you have a gut check win against Tennessee, and then it was almost like, wait a minute, the objective now is, yes, Anthony Richardson, but the wins and losses are no longer just a sidebar. They're a big piece of the conversation, and then Anthony Richardson goes out, and so now we're sitting here saying, okay, uh, is the narrative still winning, right? Because we lost Anthony Richardson, and now you've lost three straight, and you continue to be so bad at home in front of your fans that I think now fans are like, what's the objective here? Is it fire sale? Is that the objective? And if so, we better hunker in losing a bunch of games. It's not truly wins and losses. Like, like what is, you can sell a fan base, you're going to lose games, but there are, especially a quarterback with AR, there there is an objective here. Even though we're losing games, there is an objective here. Now you're losing games. Your objective is on the bench. And now it's just, is this just going to be another cruddy season? And at three and five, and I, and I do mean this, if they keep Moss and Jonathan Taylor stays healthy, and by the way, Gardner Minshew, we need to talk about his health at some point. Wearing the sleeve on his leg, hobbling around. I mean, they probably kicked a field goal in the first quarter where Shane Steichen, a fourth and one, would have gone that for that weird. again. Yeah, that was don't, like a fourth you, and inches. Don't you yeah. think he goes for that again? Perhaps maybe if his quarterback uh, is in a different spot there, I do not know. But but I mean, I just now what is the now what is the objective? And I still think they're good enough to win a couple more games. And if so, you're going to be you know that you're not going to have one of the highest picks. You're also not going to be like a team like the Jets, who's probably going to be right outside the playoffs. So you're just going to be sitting there right now. If the draft were today, I think the I think the Colts would be eight right now. I thought I saw se- yeah, uh, seven. Maybe, maybe it's seven. I, I, I need to look at it again. So I think that's what fans are struggling with. I, you know, Today is, w- what is this the rest of the way now? Like if you sell Kenny Moore 
and you get a fifth or sixth rounder, does that turn you on going into the offseason, well, a late I, round pick? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm yeah. just, is it a fire sale time? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to get into what's going to turn people on. And, and, Save and, that for February. And, and, and not, yeah, maybe that's a Valentine's Day thing, not a Halloween thing. But I think to live in reality, it's a little bit more of what you're selling. And, and again, this doesn't help you in the here and now. It doesn't help you necessarily sell tickets to the Tampa Bay Bucks home game the Sunday after Thanksgiving. But one eye towards the future. And that's a bummer. That's a bummer, and it's all too common of reality when Halloween has arrived. And it's disappointing, but I think it's a little bit of reality when you see Jacksonville win another game and move to 6-2. and two. And, you know, wildcard teams yesterday, whether, I don't know, Cincinnati continues to win, the Chargers being an NFC team, the Jets somehow find a win, and yet the Colts have won three in a row. As This is kind of positioning season. You know, I always feel like right. October leading into the midway point of the year, this is when you position yourself to play meaningful football later in the year. And right now, the Colts have positioned themselves to Keep an eye on the tankathon standings more so than the wild card we standings. Need to fire that up again already. I, I, I can't go there just yet, but Columbus Day, Thanksgiving, Mark, that might be a path that we have to go down. Uh, you said Adam. Yeah. Let's start with Adam. Hey, Adam. Good Monday morning to you, man. Hey, morning. How y'all doing, fellas? Adam, what's your favorite Halloween candy of all time? Oh, Butterfingers, all day. Look at this. Okay. How about that conviction by Adam? That's a man that knows what he likes, and I appreciate Adam, it. Adam, I hope you get a Butterfinger or two tomorrow night. Oh, yeah, I, I, I purposely buy them to hand out, but I, I, I stash a few uh, mm-hmm. in the you damn right you do. Yeah, this ain't oh, your first okay. Halloween here. You know what you're doing. No, no, this isn't my, that's, this, this isn't my first rodeo, that's for sure. But I, I, speaking of first rodeos, like, is this, I, I feel like this loss is on Gus Bradley not getting our defense prepared for, what, these aren't new wrinkles, like when Taysom Hill is behind center in a shotgun formation, this is what the Saints do. All season long, Taysom Hill has been a problem for almost every every defense, but it's like being prepared for when he's in the game. Like I'm more fearful of him as a running back than as a quarterback. Yes, he could throw the football, but this is what the Saints do, and they look so awful. Like I watched the replay, it felt like Kenny Moore didn't even try. Like I don't know what was going on out there, but I, I like whenever you see Taysom Hill back there, and it's like the, the Colts should have had this like in their package. All week long, like, you know, you got Alvin Kamara, like he's going to come out of the backfield and he's going to find the soft little coverage in the zone and pick up six or seven yards. They did pretty good on for most of the game on Kamara, but like Taysom Hill, like, come on, guys. Like, that's so, it hurts. It's like a gut punch. Yeah, and, and Adam, thank you for the call. Again, good luck with your butterfingers. Um you know, when you talk about evaluating things with this Colts season, Andy, I remember back to week one, I thought you, you laid it out perfectly. We don't have to grade everything through the Anthony Richardson, you know, lens. Uh, other position groups on this team, other units on this team, you can grade through a normal lens, if you will. And your defense is one of those. In particular, I think your front seven is one of those. And I thought yesterday was easily the worst performance of the season by the Colts defense. Uh, 511 total yards for the Saints. It's the most in two and a half years uh, for the New Orleans franchise. You look at their point totals this season, Andy. This is New Orleans. 16-20-17-9. They had a 34-point game against New England thanks to a pick six, two 50-yard field goals, and three turnovers. Uh, then 13-24. and 24, Their other point totals. Uh, yesterday, you allow 38, and what is particularly damning about that, yes, Minshew had one turnover, but even that one turnover, Andy, happened on 
the deep part of the field. It's not like you set up a short field or got points directly off of the turnover like the Miles Garrett strip sack in the end zone last week. So of the Saints' seven scoring drives, which when you say seven scoring drives, that probably should just speak for itself. Uh, The length of those seven scoring drives, 75 yards, 75 yards, 63 yards, 71 yards, 76 yards, and then, of course, the icing on the cake, the 58-yard field goal drive to officially... Put it away. That is seven scoring drives, all of at least 58 yards. Even when they weren't peppering Tony Brown with targets, it was an awful day by your defense. The caller makes a point, and I don't know how you feel because we've never had this conversation, but the but the Taysom Hill usage, if Taysom Hill is good against your team, it is an extra kick in the groin area, is it not? Because that's what I was getting from that caller. And I feel the majority of people feel that way. I don't feel that way. I think Taysom Hill is like, a, it's a he's a fine, quirky player. I was surprised they were dropping back and he completed uh, the big he one. He had one of those balls to yeah, Shahid. Yeah, that was the 50-50 ball Yeah, was it was, overturned. could have been an interception. I will say, this game, going back to their second game against Carolina, where he had nine carries for 75 yards and did throw a pass in that game a completion for 8 yards he had went 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 weeks there in the middle not being a huge part of their offense in fact he had 9 carries yesterday That you know, he had 9 carries the 3 weeks prior to yesterday so it's almost like I don't know if Gus Bradley if, if they saw something if Gus Bradley and company were, were caught with their pants down if it was you know if it was scheme or if it was just I hate to say it just Jimmy's and Joe's just the defensive line and other parts not doing what they're supposed to do and one other thing I want to add on the Gus Bradley defensive effort you know I would say a reason why you would have kept Kenny Moore in his nickel slot role yesterday Andy is because you want him in that part of the field because Alvin Kamara is such a threat out of the backfield so some of my thought was okay that somewhat makes sense to me more so than any guy not named Christian McCaffrey in the league, Alvin Kamara is such a threat out of the backfield. But yet yesterday, I saw Zaire Franklin on Alvin Kamara way too often. And Zaire's had a great season. And it's prob- if you're handing out a midseason right. award, That's he's probably one. been your MVP. It's a tough matchup. I'm not saying Zaire Franklin should be able to handle right. Alvin Kamara in the open field. So, like... Maybe that's a spot for Kenny Moore. And that's outside-of-the-box thinking. That's not necessarily what teams would do. But Alvin Kamara is a wide receiver also that can play running back. And you didn't even try that. Um, I don't know if this is a debate I necessarily want to get into, but I do want to acknowledge (laughs) Jeremiah Uh here. He goes, wait a minute, sir. Some people get turned on by Halloween more so than Valentine's Day. I do. Oh, yeah. Uh, What's his name? Uh, Who is... Who was the young man? Was it? Not uh, sure if I'm going to get that I do response what, from Andy out of my head anytime I, soon. I, I unfortunately, was ca- I was called him Zachariah, Elijah. Who <laughs> was in here Friday with us? You tried to like prod him a little bit. Oh, you're on a you're on a college campus. How's college that? campus in Halloween yeah, is that? one of the greatest things you'll ever experience. And he's like, in your oh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I'm well, I'm going to be studying. And I'd like to have a conversation yeah, with him with gonna, him today. I'm going to be watching some uh, some NASCAR reruns. It's like, son, go out there and have a good time, man. There's <laughs> there's they're dressed up like angels. And devils all over bars in America. Stop. Elijah's still haunted from the fact that Jake slid into his girlfriend's DMs that one time and was asking asking her questions about it. That got very awkward very quickly. Still need to give out our fan tweets of the game, our goats of the weekend. Do want to get to Mike. I know Mike had some thoughts from yesterday. Mike, what's up? 
Hey, good morning, guys. Mike, oh, I feel so bad for Mike. He waited He waited on hold just for his phone to do that. Mike, we'll give you one more try. You're breaking up on us. You there? Yeah, is that better? Oh, better. Don't move. All right. Okay. Um, so, I think all offseason, I mean, me, you guys, other radio shows, everybody across the country probably has pointed out these holes on this team. Corner, mm-hmm. wide receiver was a big emphasis. KB's been on that for three years. Ballard got pissed off at him a couple of years for saying it. Um, but like we, we point out these holes and this guy is blind to the fact that they're not holes. He, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll cover it up. Like the line last year, he had something, I can't even remember what his, his quote was, but you know, he thought that somebody would fill in for having two holes on the offensive line. We could, you know, mask the, the difference. And now here we are week five or, or whatever week it is, we're three and five and probably a ceiling of seven. How does this guy still got a job? I don't understand. I mean, if you're any other franchise, the owner would have done cans you a month ago when you, you know, when you two and two or three and four, whatever. Like, I don't understand what this guy does that people just, uh, they worship this guy here in Indianapolis. And, I mean, is he a good guy? I mean, yeah, I guess he could be good for the community, whatever. But, I mean, damn, he don't know football apparently because (laughs) all of us can build a team. I don't understand, man. Like, I'm so sick of hearing this guy's name. It's not funny. And, and everybody, everybody is, well, Ballard drafts well. Well, by God, I can tell you as many picks that he's made, like Darius Leonard, Clinton else, he's got just as many busts as he does half, half, half stars on this team. Mike, thank you, my man. Uh, have a good Halloween. Um, Definitely made me think. And, I mean, Bowen, every time I freaking read or listen to Bowen, it's like a constant freaking barrage of, of, of uh, whiteouts. Man, I'm jealous of that sound. I'm so jealous has of that really sound. Has it been three years for that, Mark? I guess it probably has been. Yeah, but who, an anniversary coming who up. Backs, I was say. Who backs Ballard? I love, the, I love the call and I love the energy, but it's like everyone backs this yeah, guy. It's I, like I, 80% of fans would be fine if Ballard was gone, probably. I would say, and again, you know, you obviously, Andy, haven't been here at that that long, but I would say prior to you know the start of this season, I, I would say there was a decent crowd that certainly backed him. Um you know, I, I said it back in January, and I guess I'll echo it again. Yeah, Chris Bowden would be fired by whatever, 90-some percent of NFL owners for the resume that he's produced so far. He's going nowhere. Um, you know, seven years now, it's looking like a seventh year without a division title. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out. One playoff win in that span. That was year two. Uh, the trajectory, of course, was pointing down. Year six is not even like you had this trajectory necessarily pointing up at it um i would say ballard specific to yesterday andy is you know he committed to this youth movement at corner and i long said throughout the offseason if you have positions that don't directly impact anthony richardson i'm good with youth movement there i'm good with trying to grow guys at that spot but i want to make it clear that just because i might be content with committing to some youth and baptism by fire at corner indirectly what i'm saying with that comment is that's an indictment of the ballard era like you had stefan gilmore come to the colts in the offseason offseason say more or less say yeah you guys aren't going to be good next year i don't want to be here anymore that's an indictment on your operation on your franchise on your program however you want to describe it and what's stefan gilmore doing right now He's playing for one of the best teams in the NFC and will have a chance to try and get on a playoff run at some point this season. And I wanted to make sure that we kind of made that clear of like, 
the fact that you're having to try Daryl Baker Jr. early in the year and then throw Juju Brents into the fire and you know Jalen Jones into the fire and now Tony Brown, it's largely because you've gotten to a point as a franchise where you're not in win-now mode in year seven. You're not the one, you know, some teams make the trade for Stephon Gilmore in the offseason. They say, hey, we're one piece away. Let's go make that move. We can bring in a corner like him. A veteran guy can be our second corner, our third corner. You know, Devontae yeah, we Smith, can do a lot AJ of things. Brown in our division. Sure. That's the move sure. we're going to make. Whereas the Colts, they're the ones having to give up that guy because that's the reality of what Chris Boward has created now here in year seven. So I think Mike has a lot of very accurate points there. Drafting-wise, there's unquestionably some hits. In my opinion, though, too many of those hits are at positions that don't mean as much as other sorts of positions um and that is something that i think has been a huge issue for his kind of roster building approach throughout these seven years before we get to a check down two three nine ten seventy let me ask you this then i think this is this is the overriding frustration i want to go back to it what now is this team what now is kind of this somewhat immediate future what is this season KB the rest of the way that's what fans want to know I don't feel like this team is I mean they they have made it abundantly clear that they're not rebuilding they're retooling maybe they are rebuilding and they don't want to say it like I don't know how do we how do we navigate the rest of this season? I'm asking you because yeah. you're looking at a what, a five win season here, are you not? Uh, a five or six win season? Like I do believe they're good enough to win a couple games. They can string together some things if Minshew can stay healthy. Which by the way, I mean we haven't even mentioned. I mean he's limping off the field. I mean he talked about it after the game how you know it was kind of hard to get up after some of the hits that he took. I, I think that's what fans are frustrated at there is no Anthony Richardson and that's nobody's fault that's not Ballard's fault I mean that was supposed to be what kind of helped Ballard you know ease things this year was okay we have a new quarterback you guys will understand as smart football fans when you have a rookie quarterback who is this you know inexperienced that there are going to be growing pains and so then that gets cast aside KB and all of the other warts that they had are now coming to the surface and fans are like are we just going to sit here for the next uh, what is it 10 weeks and just watch a football team that's going to win two times out of the next 10 games is that what we're looking at or 10 weeks, I should say. How many games have they played? Eight games? <laughs> yeah, eight games. I know. We, we get Nine to the, games left, but you know what I mean. Technically, they're getting to the midway point of the season I mean, this week. Is it, yeah, just two, yeah, is it I, two and seven well, with, a, with a fire sale and Jonathan Taylor not getting the ball when you need him? Like, what is it? Again, I've stated my opinion on what should happen by tomorrow at 4 o'clock, and I believe if there are pieces that aren't in your future plans, you should try and move them. They will tell us something in the next 36 hours. I'm not expecting grand things, but the conversation Wednesday morning, Andy, to that question could look a lot different than it looks right now. Um, it, knowing Chris Ballard, knowing it's a first-year head coach in Shane Sykin, wanting to tr- try and create a little bit of a different culture, again, I don't see them doing any sort of fire. And fire sale to me is too broad of a Hitler. That's, Agreed. That's too grand of a statement. Again, I, I don't think it should be a fire sale. I think there are still some pieces. 2024 free agents... That would help you out. Yeah, that you may want to keep in sure. the next couple of sure. years. But I think a piece or two could be moved. Um, I still go back to the individual storylines. And let's take one that is 
I think the arrows pointed a little bit more up on this guy in the, in the last few weeks, and another one that the arrows pointed a little bit more down. Arrow pointing up right now over the last couple of weeks, Andy? I think Alec Pierce has given you pretty good football. I think you saw it yesterday. Drew a huge pass interference penalty, made a couple other big catches, had some plays a little bit after the catch that I don't think we've seen from Pierce as well. So again, he's an individual in a second year that you can evaluate. Now on the flip side, a guy that's been way too quiet, and he's in a pseudo-contract year. You have to make a decision on him come next offseason, whether you pick up the fifth-year option on him or not. That would be Quiddy Pay. And the pass rush for that edge rusher, again, way too quiet. So I think when you get into those kind of individuals, there's other guys you can point to. You obviously hope a guy like Juju Brents comes back. And then, okay, what does he look like as he plays out the final two months of the year? Again, lost in the chaos of last season, Andy. Like a guy like Bernard Ryman. You know, what he did late in the year last season was important. And now you're here in year two with him. And you feel good about his development. So, again, I know that's frustrating to hear. When you've lost 9 of 10 at home, you don't necessarily want to hear that. But I think that's the reality of where you are at. Uh, We'll continue this conversation. We'll still get into our fan tweets of the game. Goats of the week. Uh, Take your calls as well. 317-239-1070. Morning checkdown time here. The morning checkdown. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Yeah, we continue to react. Saints over the Colts, 38-27. Again, 38-27. The Colts dropped to 3-5 and five on the year. One of the guys talked after the game, and good for him speaking with the media, but still, Tony Brown was brutal in just 27 snaps, 7 catches, a buck 87, and a touchdown against him. Here's Tony Brown post game. What are your emotions like right now? Um, I definitely feel it's tough um, being as a, as a as strong a competitor as I am. It's tough to lose, tough to get the last play, I feel like, on me. Um, so right now I feel like I got to go, I got to watch the film and I got to get better. So I don't know if you care. I mean, he said that kind of with a smile. Listen, I mean, this is a guy that just got Part of me is just beat like, on why national do you put TV. put him in that position? Not the post-game locker yeah. room. Why do you put him in that position to right. even be your outside third corner in a game like that when, again, he is an inside corner, if anything. He's actually a special teamer. He's never had history of playing a significant role, certainly in the last handful of years. And he didn't even practice on Friday. He was questionable with a ribs injury. To me... Uh, Colts fans just maddening that that was the plan of attack. 38-27, Colts 3-5 and five on the year at Carolina. It's the 405 kick coming up on Sunday, I believe. It's a nice stadium, by the way. You ever been there? Two, it is. Uh, yeah, when I was there, they did a protest on Monday Night Football. They had some <laughs> dude my bank protest. Uh, two and a half point favorite. I was worried about where protest you were going to. Was what I saw for the Colts <laughs> against Carolina. They're going to be America's game of the week. Colts it Panthers. is the only CBS game. Holy hell. At 405. Jim Nance and Tony <laughs> By the way, Romo. week nine is really good. I, 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 we'll, we'll get into it more later in the week. There are some really good games in week nine. Let's go back to week eight. And how about the mail plopper? Will Levis. Four touchdowns in his debut with the Tennessee Titans. You had the Broncos who gave up 70 to the Dolphins last month. They hold the Chiefs to nine. The Giants and the Bears. Ugh. 
both do Giants and Bears Ugh. things. Packers are terrible cousins, too, by the way. Apparently Ugh. as torn as Achilles. Packers suck. What else did I miss miss from week eight? How about the Jags getting a nice road win over Pittsburgh? Yeah, the Jags, uh the Steelers were one of my locks of the week, the plus two and a half, plus three. That didn't work out as well. Give me a swoosh. I got something here. I got one more here. A swoosh for us. Uh, some breaking news in college basketball land. No. Cooper Flag has officially committed to Duke this morning. Does that do anything for anyone here? I mean, everyone thought that he's was the going dude to happen. From Maine, right? Yeah, that's the guy from Maine. And he's yeah. reclassified. Uh, he's yeah, he's ready to go. He joins a 2024 class, which shockingly enough for Duke is absolutely stacked. Speaking of college basketball, you had Indiana beat UND yesterday in exhibition. Paul Casaro's Greyhounds did have a halftime lead against the Hoosiers before Indiana took over there. One by it was north of 20, I believe, was the final score on that one. Purdue, Arkansas, in an exhibition game. Arkansas is a top 20 team. Yes, they are. Uh, faced them down there in Fayetteville. Something to note about that game as we start to get a little bit more into college basketball season. Zach Eady fouled out. I think he played 24 minutes. It was always amazing to me last year how much Edie stayed out of foul trouble and stayed on the floor. Um, so I would assume if you're Matt Painter, that's not the worst thing in the world, having to play in a road environment like that. Again, it's an exhibition game. Uh, but without Zach Eady playing major minutes there, Purdue lost that one in overtime without Eady there for a majority of that one. And it's better to talk basketball than it is football for those programs. Purdue, what an awful first season here for Ryan Walters. Uh, they get rolled in Lincoln and Indiana. Moral victory, a yes. cover. There you go, Tom. Uh, 33-24, was that the final? A uh, query was just uh, what two games off. He said a couple weeks ago they were going to go into Michigan. He should have stuck with Penn State. Now is he going to take Purdue over Michigan this week? But I saw Purdue's a thirty-two and a half point underdog at Michigan. I don't know, but there's a lot. Of, you seen all this Harbaugh stuff coming out? Like the NFL, you know, they don't want Harbaugh. They like, like playing, his, didn't yeah, Michigan take his yeah, contract Mi- extension. Michigan off the took table an extension off the table and everything else. Can I ask you one thing? I don't know. People may not care. We can go back to a break here in a second. Do you care at all about Mike Woodson doing the? We're moving on with Mackenzie and Baco. Nothing to see here. Uh, we're moving nah, on. I, yeah. I mean, it sounded rather college-like with, <laughs> you know, it's not maybe the most glowing thing Mbako could have done there, but well, that's it how sounded I, pretty college that, That's a, That's how I feel. But, you know, there's, there are still some uh, get-off-my-lawn type guys. I would make him run up him to the balcony at Assembly Hall because that's the hardest <laughs> workout I think you could possibly have. Uh, swoosh. Uh, last one swoosh. here. Uh, Pacers and Bulls tonight from Gamebridge Fieldhouse. That's a 7 o'clock tip, 3.5-point favorite. In that one, Zach Levine did have 51 the other night for Chicago. They are 1-2 and two on the year. Pacers with, I would say, just an important win on Saturday night, the fact that it was over Cleveland. Uh, no Donovan Mitchell in that game for the Cavs. No Darius Garland. No Jarrett Allen. Aaron Neesmith, outstanding for the Pacers. The second unit got them back in the game, got them a lead, and then Tyrese Halliburton did his closing deal with a little chirping with the Cavs faithful as well. So, Pacers 2-0, and I believe it's just them, the Celtics, and the Magic, I believe, are the only undefeated teams left in the Eastern Conference. Uh, so, Pacers and Bulls tonight at 7, at Boston on Wednesday, and then back home for five straight after that. All right, more Colts conversation on the other side. It is a gloomy start to this Monday here in Indianapolis. It's going to be an ugly Halloween weather-wise. Thanks for tuning in. Wake whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Up call. Okay. 
You know, I got thinking about it during the break. Uh, your wife and daughter were at the game yesterday, KB. Yes, sir. So your daughter stays like in tune. She's able to sit there for three, three and a half hours well, at an NFL certainly game. Certainly a concession stand <laughs> trip or two helped. Uh, having to be, you know, right in line with the cheerleaders. I probably speak for a lot of people inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. That was helpful as well, Maddie said. But again, shout out to Andrew, Brandon, and Jake sitting right behind uh, Maddie. Maddie said that uh, she had them take a picture of her and Rosie. And then all of a sudden it came up like, okay, you know, is your husband here? No, he's actually working the game, blah, blah, blah. Uh, They are listeners, so appreciate that. Uh, But yeah, all all things considered, it sounded like Rosie Bowen had a pretty good first So that organically came up, those three guys. Organically. Hey, what are you doing here? Are you single? I'm like, Maddie, were they hitting on on you? Like (laughs) uh, The single parent with the three-year-old daughter at the game? She's like, no, no, no. They were were very, very nice. So uh, thank you to them for... uh, uh, enjoying the experience. Uh, and, and honestly, I thought, you know, it was a decent crowd. Uh, but when they're exiting early like that, Andy, it's kind of hard to blame because that song and dance has been way, way too familiar. It's one, it is easily one of the worst 10 game runs in Lucas Oil unbelievable. history. It's one unbelievable. It's unbelievable. In nine in your last 10 home games. Uh, are you going to be quizzing trick-or-treaters with the Galaxy Concrete Coating uh, on Tuesday? You know, maybe the, hey, any, kids, what do you hey, think of that? Maybe there's any parents around? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a Jupiter style here yeah, at the yeah. Bone House. You know, what we've done lately is we've gone bull on the front porch, a bowl of candy sure. on the front porch. Because, you know, I'd like to experience the, uh, yeah. the, the trick-or-treating with Rosie sure. a little bit. But I looked it up last night before bed. Okay. 39 degrees at 5 oh. o'clock tomorrow. And going to feel like 30. I believe I saw one of the weather forecasts has it as the coldest Halloween since 1954. <laughs> I don't want to say, I don't want to sound like the guy that's uphill both ways, but when I lived in Western New York, the armpit of the world, uh, a place I would not live again, I went to many of Halloween's trick or treating in the snow. Again, this is not me being the old man. 10 miles to ten, school. 10 miles. Forward uh, and backwards. Uh, one way. Now, how was the Irvington Halloween uh, action? on Saturday. It I saw fantastic. a few pictures. Look great. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was uh it was a good time. Very busy, you were right, very busy, but enjoyed some brews uh walking around. There are a lot of kids there, a lot of strollers there. So, that's the first time people will enjoy this. That's the first time I've been to something like that with a kid. Okay, yeah. It you, can be you, a bit daunting. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the first time it's stroller, it's right. you're worried about feeding, How are you driving it? You're worried about left hand and beer in the right? Boom. Okay. Boom. Got it. Did Left. you hit anybody? No, Taking I, any I, ankles out? I veered a couple times, and the wife took control after that. I did go beer right hand, yeah. and then I started to veer with the left hand. That's yeah, what we happened. we went to uh, Pumpkin Town. Shout out to Pat Sullivan, legend up in uh, Allisonville uh, on Friday night, and Maddie brought the little stroller for Max, and I'm like, oh, no, can't we just carry the kid? I'd rather carry him and go beer <laughs> than it's kind of, it's one of the small collapsible strollers, uh, sure. so it doesn't have great, sure. you know, I should probably honestly uh, grease the wheels a little bit there, uh, but <laughs> Boy, I was just smoking people right and left. Then after about five minutes, I was like, I've had enough of this. I'm putting this thing uh, back inside, and, and I'm just going to But the wife the wasn't happy because I did, you know, they have all these compartments. You can hide all these different things, and I hid one of the bottles somewhere, and she looked for this bottle uh, unknown to me for about 45 minutes. She's like, did we drop that on the way home? I'm just going to order a couple more. I go, that's fine. But then I remembered in my, because, you know, we had a couple beers there in my stupor. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I hid it in one of these compartments. So. Well, in that environment, the bottles might be more important for the parent than they are for <laughs> little gas. You got a bigger issue with the play of Tony Brown 
or giving him the responsibility that you did for all 60 minutes. No, my biggest problem here is with some of the offensive stuff with Minshew. So you go offense. No, hang on. With, With throwing the ball too much at times with Minshew and, and... Putting Tony Brown in that position, I felt like those are two examples of not utilizing your personnel and not putting them in spots to succeed. Does that make sense? I I thought with Minshew, you could have turned around. There's two instances, at least in the second half, where you can run the ball there with either Zach Moss or Jonathan Taylor. We brag on how you have two backs. Well, if something's up with JT, continue. Continue to go with Moss. One of your best drives the entire second half uh, was the big 41-yard run there. And then Tony Brown was put in a position where he was most likely going to fail, and he did so the entire afternoon. You know, a couple of people brought up a pretty good point to me. Um, you know, Tony Brown, if there's any sort of history in the NFL, and I would say with the Colts, it's more as a backup nickel corner so like you know he if Kenny Moore were to go down and honestly remember when Kenny went out for one play against Jacksonville this year Tony Brown came on the field and actually caught a deflected pass for for an interception he would be in that nickel role and you know when you play nickel slot inside you can help more when you're outside you're on an island you are for the better part on an island and if you are out there you can get exposed real real quick the official numbers on that game from Next Gen Stats, Tony Brown targeted seven times, gave up seven catches for 189 yards and a touchdown. That does not include, I believe, did, did he poke the eye? I think he did the poking of the eye, face mask, oh, yeah. and or yeah, poking the of the Rick eye. The old Ric Flair, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> the Arn Anderson the Ric Flair. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was officially 15 <laughs> yards because they were so close to the goal line to that point. But that on top of it, you know, to go back to the offensive game plan. Um, you know, 41 attempts for Minshew, 23 car- carries for Moss and Taylor. It just does not make sense to me. It, it strikes me as a, I am going to make sure we have this balance and, and I want to kind of outsmart the opposition and a little bit more of the, let's show the class why I am the valedictorian. And I like a lot, a lot of what Shane Sykin has done. So I want to make sure that that is very clear. And he has done. A lot of good for this team. But Andy, in a one-possession back-and-forth game... I mean, hell, you had a two-score lead, didn't you? Yeah, early on in that game, you are up 17-7. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in a back-and-forth game against a team that has lost four of five, was legitimately sick throughout the week. They had a... I, outside of COVID, I don't know if I've ever seen an injury report with that many guys out due to illness at various points of the week, and you just have the first quarter like you did. I mean, that's one of the best first quarters of Jonathan Taylor's career, and yet you get away from the run. I I think the Taylor usage, sure, Mm -hmm. but I thought in general, even when Moss had the big series there in the third quarter, I thought in general just the run game was not committed to enough, and to me, when you establish the run like you do, what your thought process is, in a way, of this is a boxing match. And the the shots that land in the first, second, and third quarter, you might not see immediate results. But when you get, or I should say the first and second, third round of a boxing match, you might not see the immediate sort of results from them. But round 7, 8, 9, 10, now you're feeling it. And when you strike them like you did early on, I'm thinking this is no let up. You body blow them the entire 
game. And when you let off the gas like that, when you commit to more of a passing game with a backup quarterback, you're going to expose your offensive line in some situations. And you're going to put too much on the plate of Gardner Minshew. So uh, that, to me, was another storyline. That was just a big, big issue. Yeah, I want to go back to the two times that bothered me when we talk about running the ball and we talk about Jonathan Taylor. Because I agree with you at times, and I know in his postgame, nine seconds that we got. In fact, Mark, cue that up. I may go to that here in just a second. Um, But you look at it when it's a 21-20 game, you're down by a point. You just have the big 41 yard run by Moss and I mean Mark Sanchez and and then by the way on that first down after the big run what do you do? You go back to the ground right? You understand you you understand that something is there. Hands on the hips. Yeah and it's it's not like the the Saints defense stacks the box and they knock you back four yards. Well it's the opposite of that. It's the opposite of that KB. You go and you get four yards you stay ahead of, of of the chains. And I can understand Steichen wanting to take a shot there. And ultimately, it's a bad play call, and it's a worse decision by Minshew. But for me, it's 21-20. Sanchez is on TV saying the Colts need to continue to run the football here. Then they throw the pick. There was an opportunity. If Moss needed a blow, he can go to the sideline. Then you have a fresh Jonathan Taylor in the game. You have a second and six. You're driving the football. You're at the what the 37 yard line. Yeah, you're in you're, field goal range. You're at 21 20 yeah, game. You, you're at least going to run the clock down. You're going to be near the end of the third quarter. Matt Gay can hit a field goal. You're going to lead at least there. You're feeling 23 21 going into the fourth quarter. Okay, you throw the interception. They come back and score. Like it's 28 20. You're going to the fourth quarter. This is a pivotal. We can all admit you're watching the game there with Chap, right? You're up in the press box. And like this is a pivotal drive here where you have everything available to you. You basically had, you go into the fourth quarter with everybody rested. Jonathan Taylor had had one touch in the entire third quarter and you go past where you're lucky it wasn't a fumble. I mean, it was a split second. It was the right call. It was an incomplete pass, but you're lucky it wasn't a fumble and then you go pass, pass, punt and you know from then on, your defense, you talk about body blows. That happened to them. The Saints then started to have that, whether it was running Kamara, whether it was running Taysom Hill, either way there. Those, to me, were the two opportunities. I know after the game, in fact, play Steichen, if you don't mind, real quick here, after the game, talking about no JT in the second half. In that situation, whatever, Zach popped a big one, so then, you know, we kept Zach in the game there, just kind of read the hot hand there, and then, you know, we got into some passing situations towards the end there, and that's what led to it. Yeah, again, Shane and JT made it clear no injury. Yeah. I, I know some people were asking, hey, late it's, second quarter, well, it looked valid. like he was a little banged up. He always had his helmet on. I mean, I was looking down there. I didn't see any athletic training staff around him at all. I mean, well, I mean, this morning, Greg Doyle asked a question. I know in the start, like, are they thinking of trading him, given that you didn't play him at all the second half? You're trying to keep him healthy, and I don't know if that was tongue-in-cheek or not, but that's not what Steichen's saying there is not totally right. 
is my point. Yes, Zach Moss busted the big one, so it's not like you abandoned the running game, but you should have still been running the football there. That's number one. And then number two, you did get into passing situations. You did. When you were down 35-27, you had 10 and change. You didn't have to pass the ball there, but you decided to. And then obviously the second to last possession of the game, uh, you had yet another. I mean, we... For as bad as the defense was, the defense did get one stop to say, hey, here's the offense. Here's another chance. You're down eight. We're giving you a second chance here. There were two or three possessions. The only times they got stopped was off of Michael Thomas drops. That's about, or, the, or the Alave drop where it hit him in the face mask and the football guys looked at you. No, no, Steichen. There were, there were two, perhaps three drives there to where you could have ran the ball more. You should have ran the ball more. And you could have went to JT and you didn't. Yeah. Not all of that was... Was we must throw when there's 11 minutes to go and you're down one touchdown in the game. Yeah, 28-20, three straight passes like you mentioned. I actually thought when they took over there with like 5.30 to go, to me with three timeouts and the two-minute warning, that even screams yeah. sprinkle in a run or two. And I think that drive, I want to say, was six or seven straight passes before you ultimately punted it go, away. Go, and then Go back one. Go back one. The ball. Go back one. It's an eight-point game. There's ten There's ten and change to go. You that was thro- the three yeah, straight passes, yeah, you, right? You throw on first down. You get sacked. Okay, so now now, now you're not going to... Now you've already abandoned the run. I mean, that, that's basically it. Short pass to Pierce. He makes his play. And so all that kind of gets washed away, but then you go incompletion, incompletion, short uh, short play to Josh Downs. I mean, that entire time, it's 35-27 with 11 minutes to go in the game, and they literally, and that's the second time now, JT, on a little two-yard pass, touched the ball. KB, they don't, they don't, they don't run it all there. They don't run it. They, they had a chance in the third to run the ball. They didn't. They had a chance early in the fourth to run the ball, and they had yet another chance in the fourth quarter to run the football at all, and they didn't do it any of those times. Uh, we are way over. Yeah. We'll continue uh, to react to Sunday here coming up on the other side. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, so we have our headlines coming up. We also have our Goats of the Week. I kind of thought during the break we, we should have done this for the audience <laughs> where we all just took Will Levis as our goat of the week. <laughs> well, KBI had Will Levis and his four touchdowns as well. Then Mark goes, you know what? I think this Will Levis guy needs to be the goat of the week. And we all just sit here. We just pick Will Levis. I mean, what a debut. <laughs> I, I, I'm like watching these highlights. I'm like, man, he is uncorking these balls. You know who loved him the most? DeAndre Hopkins. He's and like, again, this is just the damn ball. It is, it's so Titans. Like, they trade away <laughs> one of their more iconic defensive players. Uh, probably players, period. You know, are they trading Derrick Henry? Are they trading right. uh, DeAndre Hopkins? And again, it's the Falcons. I don't want to overreact to one win. Uh, but that is just so Titans. Just like when you think, okay, they are deader than dead and they are in full tank mode. They do win a game. Uh, for those curious, uh, December 3rd, Colts at Titans. So you'll see Bryce Young coming up on Sunday. 
Uh, Will Levis, December 3rd, I assume. He will be the quarterback then. Uh, and then C.J. Stroud to close out the year. I, I, would, I, I mean, w- we're doing mayo and coffee if he's the starter. Oh, 1,000%. I mean, we, we have to. 1,000%. I, I, yeah. I, I want to be uh, completely transparent here. I think Will Levis is going to be a fine backup in the NFL. Okay? Now, he balled out in the, you know, the Atlanta Falcons let him throw the ball that he can throw the best, and that's the deep one there. Okay? Um, but if he plays okay here, and let's say he starts and he plays okay here and let's say I don't know he beats the Colts in early December is there any conversation to be had like at all about the whole Will Levis he, he dropped in the draft the Colts and other teams not just the Colts okay uh, decided now nah, we don't want Will Levis he goes to the second round he's got the embarrassing night with uh, with the sisters and the girlfriend and everyone else hanging on him as he sits there in the green room and everyone goes around him is there any Colts fan at all that says anything of damn maybe we should have looked harder at this Will Levis guy I'm not there I'm just throwing it out there yeah I do we have to discuss that well, <laughs> do you think Zach Moss gets uh, traded by tomorrow I, I, night? I need, what, do you I discuss need, that? I need Will Levis to show it to me a little bit more than one week before I get into a Will Levis-Anthony Richardson <laughs> debate. Sorry to cop out there, but I, I don't know if I... Love uh, those uniforms, though. Do you see those uniforms? Absolutely. Those love. Houston... Uh, I'm sure the Houston fans love that they're bringing out... Hey, the throwback Oiler out, uh, outfits where you uh, left the city. I absolutely love the uniforms. Uh, three and five Colts. They've now lost three straight... Um, you know, I always feel this way, Andy, especially when you have a new head coach. You know, those first couple of weeks, it's a bit of a feeling out process, you know, feeling out process for your own team, uh, for other teams kind of getting ready to play you. And then as you get into October, I always feel like October starts to put teams in tiers. Okay, you're in this tier, you're in that tier, and, and then November, December, it's positioning. It's, okay, are you an absolute contender or are you more of a pretender status and I feel like in this month and if you want to boil it down to the last handful of games Andy you've played four of your last five at home you went one and three in those four home games I think it's really difficult for a team that has the margin for air as thin as the Colts I think already do we know they're not Mm -hmm. an incredibly potent whatever well balanced can play complimentary football week in and week out type of team it's hard to overcome a one and three stretch at home, no matter like at any point of the season. So, um, if you look at the last couple of weeks, whether it was a divisional matchup with Jacksonville, whether it was more of a wild card focused matchup last week with Cleveland, and then you know yesterday with New Orleans, those are positioning games. Talked about it all last week. If you want meaningful December games, you've got to take care of business of the nondescript game of yesterday. Yesterday, no highlight shown on Sunday Night Football at halftime. Peter King's 5,000 word article, no (laughs) mention of Colts Saints. You've got to go take care of business if you want to have the meaningful games. And right now, at 3-5, and having lost three straight, uh, you not only have to do something out of body experience the rest of the way to get back into position, but you also need help. And to me, Andy, it's so disappointing that that's when that's been an annual kind of Halloween theme here uh, lately for the Colts. And, you know, they flashed this stat several times during the game. And definitely they did so after Minshew's interception where he was looking for Pittman there in the third quarter. I know we've talked about it. This is now 12 straight times where the Colts, when they turn the ball over at least once, KB, they lose the game. 
they lose the game. If they if they don't turn it over, they win the game. And if they turn the ball over just one time, they've lost 12 straight games. And that just shows... I don't pinpoint this on the one Minshew turnover, though. I don't either. This is a different song and dance from but, the last But that weeks. stats is going to... It just continues, right? So if they turn it over again and they lose to Carolina, it's going to be 13 games. You could look at some of those and say, well, they're unable to overcome turnovers. That has been the case with Minshew you in the past or other quarterbacks in the past. By the way, you didn't get to hear any of Matt Ryan on Sunday either. You you, you didn't go back and watch it, did you? Matt uh, Ryan I thought it was, was Sanchez the, doing the Colts No, but game. Matt Ryan, walked, he was up there for a little bit. Matt Ryan was at the Colts game? Yeah, he was at the Colts game, really? wasn't he? Am I, am I imagining things? I don't remember that. Am I imagining things then? I thought, I Matt, thought it I was thought Kevin Matt Ryan... Kugler and Mark Sanchez. Yeah. You have one too many of those beers from the Halloween oh, party? Man. Maybe that was it. Dude, I just... I gotta was get he in my, the studio? I gotta get... Maybe that was it. I thought I saw Matt Ryan up there in the in the booth. Someone help me here. Someone text I me. I might have rather have Matt Ryan at corner than Tony Brown if I were the Colts. <laughs> might be the case. Well, what is, what is the... Okay, so let me ask you then. What is this the rest of the way? Well, again, I mean, tomorrow the Colts are going to tell us something. Tomorrow by 4 o'clock, they're going to tell. I have my own thoughts on it. Um, I mean, they're not going to move much. I mean, let's say right, they move Blackman. I mean, like, what's that do? a move or two, what you are saying is it's another kind of Stefan Gilmore trade from the offseason of this was never fully about we're pushing all of our chips into the middle. And again, I understood that. It's a shame that that's the reality of your franchise, but that is the reality of your franchise. Um, I I just, (laughs) I don't know, maybe I'm like going off of Maddie's emotions from going to the game yesterday, but it was so jarring to watch just the mass exodus of Lucas Oil Stadium there in a one-possession game with, what, three or four minutes to go in that game? When just everyone exits after the Colts punt the ball away. They still had three timeouts. They still very easily uh, could have gotten the ball back with a chance to go down and, and tie the score. And again, Andy, part of me was like, what's going on right now? Why are all these people leaving? And then I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Put yourself in their shoes. They walked into this stadium. And for the majority of them, or how many of them that have been to a good amount of Colts home games in the last 12 months... They have watched their team lose eight of the last nine home games. And now they're watching their team on their way to losing a ninth out of ten game. And let's go back and look at the schedule if you want to. It's not like a murderer's row schedule that you have played here over the last 12 months inside of that stadium. And they're not going to play a home game now for another month. It'll be the Sunday after the uh, Tampa Bay or uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving Tampa Bay game. Uh, they actually will only play one home game in the next month and a half. So I know we won't have this conversation a lot here upcoming. But Andy, what have the Colts done to say to their home fan base? Oh, nothing. Hey, nothing. Come to Lucas Oil Stadium and watch a winning product over the last twelve months. So as I'm watching the fans leave, and the more I thought about it, and the more I kind of got away from my n- initial reaction, I'm like, man, how disappointing is this? that this has been the beyond common theme for this franchise and the fan base here for the last 12 months that you have lost nine of your last 10 home games. I don't know. Like, this feels like, for me, KB, 
there are there are teams that it's going to be a long winter. The Bears, the Giants, Carolina is still going to be one of those. I believe the Raiders are eventually going to be one of those. If the Steelers have to go to Maserati, Mitch Trubisky, um, you know, I mean, they they showed the ability not to win, kind of in the creases by getting a pick six or a TJ Watt scoop and score. I think it could be uh, it could be a long winter. There, I mean, we know the teams that are not good in this league, and I feel like I don't know if it's better that the Colts teased us in the first three, four, five weeks of the season or not here because I don't know where if you're a Colts fan. It's not about wins and losses, okay? And Anthony Richardson, the prize quarterback, it's not about him. Again, it would be so different if it's 38-27, 39-27, the Jags games, if we're talking about, hey, Anthony Richardson made a play here or there that other guys cannot make in the league, and then we would say, okay, he had a pick, he had a fumble, he missed a read, they had a play here or there, he went off script, he did this, he did that. We don't have that narrative I, I am I, I I know I I'm I'm repeating myself here but it feels like a very it, it feels very empty right now when you look well, at this yesterday team. I think it was the emptiest game yeah, that's how of I the that's how I feel like, to yeah. me you could go four and four and, and you would feel good about right we'd come in here it'd be four and four with Carolina and New England and and we could make the hey even if you split those games you're five and five and you're playing, you know, you get to a bye and you're starting to get to late, you know, Thanksgiving and early December where you're playing games that matter some. And and, and right now, I just I don't feel I don't feel that way. I'm trying to attach myself to a narrative here with the Colts. I mean, I, I just you watch Gardner Minshew hobble around out there. I mean, this guy <laughs> I mean, he's not going to be able to finish this season, this entire season. I mean, we had a chance to be playing Tampa Bay the day, what, two days after Thanksgiving at Lucas Oil with at least a team that you could sell was five and five, right? And that I think that would have been a pretty big atmosphere given that Tennessee is the week after. I mean, there, there's there's something to grab onto. There's something there to sell, and I just don't know what it is. It feels very empty after the Saints game. Empty's the word. That's what I feel right now. Yeah, again, I, I would say, you know, considering it's at home, considering the opponent, you know, New Orleans had struck. I mean, Andy, it was a lot of chatter about the future of Derek Carr, the future of Dennis Allen all week long. They were literally a sick football team, like illness-wise, throughout the week. Um, they lost four or five. I, I, I think that all just kind of adds to it. I know, obviously, Jacksonville was a game that you didn't get off to a great start at all, and you lost that one. But to me, we talked about it last week. The psyches of these two, three, and four teams were very different. The Saints were pissed off. They were very visibly frustrated. I mean, you watch the Saints play this year. Derek Carr is getting into it with people on the sideline almost weekly. And a lot of internal questions within that locker room. The Colts entered yesterday, and in a way, it was almost like this is a feel-good story. I know. At three and four. This is a lot of patting on the back at three and four. And the Colts just have proven not to do well when they have been praised like that, or even when they're in a position of, hey, it's a nice start to the year. 
Um, you've got a manageable schedule coming up here. You've got four or five at home. Hey, the Colts could be, you know, whatever, six and four by the bye, seven and three by the bye, something like that. And really, in, in the Ballard era, I don't think they've been a very good of a more of a bullseye's on our back. We're going to thrive in this atmosphere. They've been much better as an underdog, frankly, or you know, kind of odds stacked against us with all of those. Well, well they're stacked against them now, <laughs> right? I know. Which again, yeah, go and, out and, there. And, they're stacked, and, and obviously, no one wants to hear this at all. But again, the schedule remains a joke. I mean, literally, if you want to go down the quarterback list that you're about to face, it is Bryce Young, it's Mac Jones, it's Baker Mayfield, I guess it's Will Levis, uh, Joe Burrow obviously speaks for himself, but then after that, Mitch didn't, Trubisky. Kenny, didn't yeah. Kenny Pickett leave? Oh, he's injured, yeah, he's Desmond been injured Ritter all year. Desmond yeah. so you're back up maybe in Pittsburgh, back up in Atlanta, who the hell knows who the Raiders quarterback is going to be when you get to that point of the season, and then C.J. Stroud to end the year. I think that's what stings as well. It's like the schedule, again, is so manageable. But, of course, all these teams we're talking about, Andy, in those respective markets, they're saying the same thing about the Colts. There are teams in college football. This happens in college football. You have a team playing like the like the ACC this year stinks. Like a team like, maybe not Florida State, but if a Virginia Tech or a North Carolina or a Louisville, if they end up in the ACC championship game, they're there simply because the ACC is not very good. Right, and so sometimes, sometimes you get that with football. Uh, you get that a lot in college football, where you know the schedule aligns. To me, the schedule aligning for the Colts to be what it is that you've talked about is even more maddening. It right, throws right. on it. Th- it's like the crouton on the damn salad. It throws on yet another ranch dressing of why it's a frustrating. I season. have not heard the crouton uh, on the salad analogy well, before. Well, and and it's I'm you know, a big crouton to, guy. To me, it's this as well. When we talk about the Colts, and this is this is not against you, but I, I have I, I've I've found myself that this is where we are now. When we talk about the Colts schedule, we're right in that analysis, but we can't give the Colts the benefit of the doubt that they're going to do anything with that goodwill. Sure, but right? it's at and least that's there what's so fr- for you it, it, on paper. It, it, that, I guess that is the battle cry this season is there's still chance to be respectable here and to and to win some games here and to have some feel good and to continue to feel pretty good about Shane Steichen and to feel pretty good about a guy like Josh Downs and you know uh, in the running backs you have if you utilize them in the second half and those sorts of things I, I and here's the other thing and I don't know this with both of you guys KB and Mark I don't know this with both of you guys but with my team right now and Mark you feel the same way mm-hmm. you're like just lose games like like that's that's that, that's where that's where I am. Okay, how far are Colts fans to feeling that right now? Because it, you're you're right. It, it's the most chatter that I've ever seen. The most mock draft chatter on a Monday after a game. So so it started today, it, it, yeah. probably. That means that's again, fair. The emptiest feeling you've had all year. And to go back to the schedule, I just did a very quick little. Okay, let's look at the top ten rated quarterbacks in the NFL this season. I'm looking at this top ten list. All I see is Lamar yeah. Jackson as the only one that the Colts have played or will play. Or, or will play. Yeah, you Burrow know, may be that eventually, but right, yeah, but it's, it's a bunch Tula, of nobody. It's Purdy, it's Kirk, you know, Russell Wilson, shockingly high. Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, you know, Dak, Goff, like uh, Patrick Mahomes. Like, you aren't playing these guys this season and you haven't played them. So I just think that adds to 
the sting. Uh, let's do our fan headlines from yesterday before we get to a morning check down. Again, we fire off this tweet right after the game ends in five words or less. Your raw reaction to what you just saw. I can't read it. There's no there's no words on it. I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. Ripped from the headlines of the newspaper. Oh. We'll do it live! F- it. Post-game headlines. F***ing thing sucks! Derek also chimes in here before we get to our uh, post-game headlines. The Colts are also, they do really bad the week after Ursay ever opens his mouth publicly. Is there a stat? Is, it, is that an analytical stat Someone get on that. Kravitz. Per Jim Ursay, when Ursay tweets over six and a half times in a weekly knit of the game, the Colts are two and eight. We should look that up. Uh, there's one here that says Legion of Boo. Uh-huh. Is that a Gus Bradley Seahawks well, reference yeah, going back of in boom, the day? Legion of Boo. Uh, this from Mike. Uh, when do the Pacers play next? Mm-hmm. Tall, I miss Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> Mark, the, do we have a Mr. Gilmore? I don't think we can say that. Gilmore. I think that sound has been Audio. banned. That sound has been banned, I believe. He slapped on the wrist before. So, Jason, corners couldn't cover chair. <laughs> Good alliteration there with the C's. Uh, Jason Ellis says, corner depth is kiddie pool. Okay. Colts back down to earth. That's fair. Brother, I think they've been back down to earth for a couple weeks. I don't uh, think it was just the Saints game once. We got Sunday. a lot of Tony Brown toilet references. I think you can probably <laughs> guess what the majority of those mm-hmm. were referencing there. Uh, Eric uh, Sellers at the trade deadline. This uh, Roar said, this made my hangover worse. <laughs> I can't blame him. Also, people are asking what drugs Andy was on because you mentioned the Matt Ryan dude, thing. I don't, I, Matt Ryan works for CBS. The game was broadcast dude, on I have, Fox. I, I swear they they went uh, they went up there dream. and like he, I, I have beers no, were laced on Saturday. Dude, I have festival. I have no idea. The lack of sleep has finally caught up with me in the kid, and now I have to go out to the show and get a new phone. Like, I just want to go to sleep for a few now, minutes. And I mean this in all seriousness. <laughs> Shouldn't CBS throw Matt Ryan on the crew for this weekend? Wouldn't he provide some good insights on the Colts and Panthers? You would think. We could have had Levis, says yep. Scotty, a Colts Ooh, guy. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> boy, I'm not ready for that one. The only thing I will say, the only thing I will say. He had one game. Is you get back to the style of quarterback, Andy, and the longevity of a career. Levis is more of a pocket passer, correct? Richardson is probably oh, sure. more of a, I'll get outside of the pocket and do some things. So if you want to look at one sort of, and I think I even said that in the draft process as you lead into this of, you know, what's going to have staying power in this league? But there, no, no, I'm not, I'm not stiffing that. Oh, of course we're not there. I mean, he would have to string together a bunch of games in a row. He would have to, you know, this year and next year, he'd have to beat the Colts in a couple weekends. Uh, the Colts would draft seventh. You were right. Right now, it's Arizona, Carolina. Of course, their pick goes to Chicago. Chicago again. The Giants at four. New England at five. Green Bay at six. Uh, da, 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 and then the Colts at seven. Brock so that's Bowers what you're looking with the at. Seventh pick. <laughs> I think I, this yeah, might I like be premature. This might be premature, but on October thirtieth, I think I lean more towards edge pass rusher than I do wide receiver. I'm with you. Yeah, I I, I could. Add, I mean, when you when you have like to me like the experience that the draft picks that the Colts have put in to get just just nothing. 
other than Buckner, it, it tells you what you need to know, right? Like, you feel like if you're a Colts fan, okay, the Jonathan Taylor situation, you feel good about. Anthony Richardson, him being able to play in the NFL, you feel good about that. You don't feel good about the injury stuff whatsoever. I mean, don't you feel like the offensive line has had a big bounce back, yeah. right? I mean, there's like little things. Juju Brents looks like he's going to be an NFL player. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's things you look at, and not all is lost, but that defensive line to get no pressure on Carr, who is just ready to be injured in a game. I mean, Carr is just ready to limp to the sideline at any given moment. Yeah, Jameis is ready to... I mean, the dude's uh, flexing on the sideline, man. Again, this They're is how... flexing. This is how bad it was with the Saints. I'm sitting there doing TV on the field before the game, and we're on the visitor side of it, so there's a lot of Saints fans by that visiting tunnel ready to kind of greet players as they, you know come onto the field and go off the field for pregame warm-ups. And there is literally a poster that says, if you want to win, put Jameis in. <laughs> like, I mean, that was a sign. I mean, like, and that is some of the chatter. That was some of the chatter leading into Sunday. And what does Derek Carr do? He goes 19-27 for 310, two touchdowns, a quarterback rating of 133.3. That is a large number. Guy says there is still a chance and shows Marvin Harrison Jr., who, by the way, has been balling. Just been balling. Guy says 3 and 14 equals Marvin. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Is this is this what we want to do? Is get into well, the Marvin Harrison Jr.? I mean, I, I I'm fine with it. I don't think they'll be three and fourteen. I think they'll win five games at least. So what does what does five wins? What does five wins get you? I guess I need to go through and do the exercise for tomorrow Man, of kind of what everyone else has upcoming and what the Colts have upcoming. I, I, I'm looking at. Yeah, I just got in a car rabbit hole. Oh, Derek boy. Carr. That was yesterday. Was his 150th career start? Okay, that was the seventh best game of his career seventh best quarterback rating of his career i mean how did i just throw your hands up and say what the f-? i mean i mean they were so cocky they were doing drop back passes with Taysom hill like one of like legit yeah. one of the plays of the game was a 44 yard one, play i thought it was a 500 game in the backyard <laughs> seventh best rating of his 150 game career i mean we make fun of teams like the broncos new england I mean, both those teams, I mean, even Chicago, all three of those teams, it's not crazy if they had the exact same or better record than the Colts. I think you got more reason to be frustrated about your pass rush. Two hits on Carr all game long. Two. Yeah, it's a it's a top two or three thing. In fact, it's a top two thing probably like again, from yesterday because Tony Brown was put in a bad Tony position. Tony Brown falls into the what did you yeah. expect? What yeah. did you think was going to happen? Whereas... The deviation from Taylor, which again, you still scored 27 points, so I, I I don't know if I put that as high on the list. But man, your defensive line, like, wow. It's got to be better. Wow, wow, wow. All right, uh, morning check down time. The morning check down. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Yeah, we continue to react all day here on The Fan. 38-27, your final Lucas Oil. Saints over the Colts. Colts now 1-4 and four at home. 1-9 over the last 10. 3-5 on the season. It ain't good. Gardner Minshew on the feeling in the locker room post game. I don't know. Everybody talks about, you know, toughness. Can you get back up when you get hit? All right, if you get hit once, you know, so well, you get hit twice. All right, three times now, who's tough? When your body hurts, when your heart hurts, Who's tough? I don't think we're about to have to figure that out, you know. Uh, but I feel good about the guys that we got. I don't think we're far off. I think we clean a few things up, start playing some complimentary football, and uh, we can do everything we want to do still. 
that Minshew quote, Andy, let's revisit mm-hmm. that later in the week. Okay. Because I think that's kind of now where your psyche is. Remember, last week, mm-hmm. you were a pat on the back three and four football team. Yes, you were. That quote is a pissed off individual. So does that reverberate throughout the locker room? And is that the psyche now going into Sunday? By the way, this from one of our coworkers talking about the fans leaving Lucas Oil. Uh, there were fans leaving the stadium yesterday chanting, let's go Pacers. <laughs> hey, Wolf Carlisle tomorrow at 8 o'clock. When you have a home stadium <laughs> problem, that's when you know you have a home stadium problem. When fans are leaving chanting about the NBA team. Display two games. Two and all in the air. I, I, just, I just love the, the Cavs. In game three, they said, you know what? We can't play any of these guys. It's unbelievable. I'm not going to do the old man NBA thing. It's great for the Pacers. Let's, it really helped them out. Let's lead into that here. Okay, Pacers now 2-0 in the season. What Andy's referencing is the Cavs. No Donovan Mitchell, no Jarrett Allen, no Darius Garland on Saturday night. Second night of the back-to-back, what do the Pacers need to do? They need to take advantage of it. They did not in the first quarter. Carousel Vert lit them up. Uh, but then Aaron Neesmith and TJ McConnell spearheaded just another outstanding night for the reserves. Pacers win. Tyrese Halliburton with some big closing threes. So 2-0 on the year. They've got the Bulls tonight, three-and-a-half point favorite. Will there be a lot of Bulls fans again in the building? Yeah, there's I mean, there's a lot of Bulls fans, right? I mean, just have all the Jordan stuff left over. So, sure. I mean, they have a good offense. Uh, this is a tricky game. This is a tricky game for the Colts. Is it okay to say I feel like that? DeRozan it's a tricky, has tricky always game. been kind of a Pacers killer. At least that's the vibes that I have with that. Bulls are one and two on the year. Zach Levine scored fifty-one over the weekend at Boston. Coming up for the Pacers on Wednesday, and you know what a week from tonight is. What's that? What's a week from tonight? Mr. Webb and Yama's lone appearance inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse this season. Now, is he going to play? We were not going to have any, uh, you know, load s- management. Do the Spurs have a game that week? I was going to say, I want to say, I remember up? looking it up before the season started. I let me double check that. Here, I'm going to look at it right now. Uh, no, no, oh, it's a back to back, but it's, it's an back- afternoon <laughs> game. I don't know if that matters at all. <laughs> He's played every game so far, right? Yeah, but God forbid an NBA. I know I sound old and ancient here. God forbid they play on the back-to-back. You wouldn't want that. I'm doing more investigating, that. by the way. Matt Ryan was on the call for Jets-Giants. Is that Maybe why you that, were confused? You know what? That's what it was. That's what it was. Speaking of gouging your eyes out, oh. uh, Purdue football absolutely rolled in Lincoln this weekend. A two-and-a-half-point underdog in that one. 31-14. Was that the final for the Boilers? Uh, Indiana covered. Uh, and they actually had some chances there late in the game. I thought as well as Indiana played. A lot of big plays for the LN kids. Omar Cooper, Donovan McCauley there. Uh, Just some throwing up the towel. Frankly, just some loser play calling there late uh, in settling for a field goal. Is that not the best way to put it? No, no. It's just, let me ask you this. Go for it on a fourth and one. You're recapping the game. You're like, who cares? And they covered. You could basically move on after that. No, I mean, a third and eight run? You're Indiana football trying to win in Happy Valley. Third and eight run? When you're in the red zone? Chance to take the lead of the touchdown? First of all, if you're an IU fan, God bless you. Second of all, or IU football fan, God bless you. Second of all, do you want to be close and have the analysis be what the analysis the KB just gave you is? Or would you rather just lose, you know, 33-7 to and you just kind of move on to the next game? I don't know. There is probably a section of the fan base. And again, if you're going to fire Tom Allen, you're going to have to find money under... I don't know, the Cook family's couches to, you know, all of a sudden find the buyout money there. But there probably was a little bit of the IU fan base thinking, oh my gosh, if Tom Allen wins this game, he saves his job. No questions asked.
You know why they ran on third night, right? Because they're relentless. Relentless! Relentless! And if you told the if you told the IU fan base that they would fire Tom Allen if they found money like in the ground, I mean, there's there's money in them hills. They'd be running all over Bloomington. <laughs> Open up the limestone, yeah. you'll find some money there. Give the money to Woodson. Indiana hosting Wisconsin coming up on Saturday. Oh. That is a noon kick. Uh, I saw Wisconsin's favored by two scores in that one. Purdue, thirty-two and a half point underdog against Michigan. And how about the Irish putting up fifty-eight? Hey, there you go. Pittsburgh, Yippee. boy. Narduzzi came out and said, yeah, we lost players and we didn't replace them with good players. Given yeah, Lincoln Riley and Pat Narduzzi <laughs> the biggest losses of their respective careers. Uh, yeah. Last one that I've got, uh, obviously the World Series back in action tonight. That series is 1-1 with Arizona winning game two. What else stood out to you guys week eight in the NFL? Don Will Levis for touchdown division. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't mind saying it. I mean, to to me, uh, I, I don't know. I, the Chiefs were bad. Does that matter to, to anybody? I mean, Mahomes looked like he was not right out there. But the biggest singular one. I mean, the Bengals dominated I say, the Niners. I, I would go that's there. The, yeah, that's. I mean, we the got game. Bengals Bills coming up on Sunday, and like we see it every year. Some team slugs their way through September, and then they get back on track. My Super Bowl pick is alive now. Yeah, it's it's on, like, will we get to? Will we get to early December and be like? Colts Bengals this week. Yeah, that's a team in Cincinnati that could go win it all. Yes. Yeah, huh? I think I think the Bengals will be a Burrow playoff was team. incredible yesterday. Yeah, Burrow was great. I mean, the Niners, you know, Brock Purdy, he has a little bit of the kind of like the Minshew that he's supposed to manage everything. And he's you know, all this nonsense we talk about managing. He's not supposed to throw interceptions. He threw two more yesterday, he threw one right in the red zone, uh, which took points off the board. I mean, to me, the Niners, three straight losses, they're not a healthy football team. They don't have good quarterback play and I don't know I just I mean the Sam Darnold's their backup do they need to I don't know I look at it what they get for Lance I mean they got an okay pick for Lance like was that worth it I don't know when you look at your quarterback position if Purdy's not the guy then you're looking at Darnold you know he's not the guy Trey Lance maybe could have fit in there somewhere I don't know but the Niners three straight losses uh the Bengals on the other hand they dropped 31 the Bengals have won three in a row four out of their last five and to me they kind of just had to survive the first couple weeks with Joe Burrow not not being right, and seemingly they have. Reportedly, Kirk Cousins torn Achilles. That's that is a bad. free agent year. By all accounts, he was having a pretty good season despite Minnesota's issues. I would think this squarely puts Minnesota in draft quarterback. You know, they they I know they were interested in it last year. Uh, and then looking ahead to the Colts on Sunday, their opponent Frank Reich gets his first victory of the season. That was 15-13 over the Texans. A late Eddie Pinheiro field goal. Bryce Young, 235, 71% completion percentage, one touchdown. So certainly one of the better games. He was sacked six times, though. I'll, we can do this maybe on the other end. Does the Frank Reich stuff resonate with you guys in this being some sort of get-back game to bad teams? The Colts are fledgling right now. I mean, they got rid of him, and obviously, you know, they had a nice start to the season, but they're headed towards a five and whatever, you know, five, four, five, six win campaign here. Does that do anything if Frank Reich wins this game to validate anything? Do you guys care at all seeing uh, Frank I, Reich? I mean, any, any emotions at all? I, I kind of like added story. Storylines in a game like this, and uh, unfortunately, you won't get the Richardson Bryce Young one. So I, I am curious to see how Frank Reich a does in Carolina, and b I don't all of a sudden think that Frank Reich shouldn't have been fired, and Shane, he's a better coach than Shane Steichen if they right. go out and win on Sunday. But 
Um, I'm all for a little extra storyline. I mean, hell, it's something you got to talk about. It's a lone game at 4.05 on CBS on Sunday. I can't believe there's only two games. You get two Fox games and one CBS. There, that, that's all there is at 4.25. Cowboys-Eagles. Right. That's a loaded, a one. unreal game on Cowboys-Eagles, Giants-Raiders, Colts-Panthers. That is... Enough of it the does Giants, not get, my God. It does not get worse Can you imagine being that. in the market where you only get the CBS 4 o'clock game? Oh, my and God. And it's Colts and Panthers. That's when you're like, hey, family, I'm <laughs> yeah. here. You guys want to celebrate Thanksgiving early? <laughs> Dolphins oh, and Chiefs, man. Frankfurt, Germany, uh, coming up 9.30 on Sunday. The Colts will be off to Germany next week to take on the Patriots. All right, uh, Goats of the Week, we still got to give out, and we'll continue to talk about the Colts losing to the Saints yesterday, 38-27, three straight for Indianapolis. Thank you for tuning in to the Wake Up Call with KB. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy. Yeah, keep it locked to the fan all day. 1075thefan.com. Stream us, download the app. It's absolutely free. Take us wherever you may be wanting to listen. Obviously, full reaction on this Monday. Query and company coming up at noon. JMV at 3 o'clock. Reminder as well Colts Roundtable coming your way at 5 30. That'll be a must listen after the debacle uh, in the second half. I wonder if Rick Venturely passionate about yesterday's performance. Oh, my God. What do you think he's most passionate about? Uh, he is most pa- well. I know this. Talk to him. He is most passionate about uh, the usage of Tony Brown and Gus Bradley overall. Okay. Uh, you know, he, he mentioned. I thought it was a great point. You know, again, Tony Brown. When you move him to nickel or slot inside, you can help guys out a little bit more in that area. When you leave them outside, which is not where Tony Brown is typically played. You're out on an island at various points in a game. You can get exposed real, real quick. Uh, a lot more uh, to cover out there and just a lot more green grass, honestly, that there's not a lot of guys around you to help out. So uh, he will be fired up for sure. Speaking of him, I do want to mention this before we get into our Goats of the Week. Uh, he is a former Northwestern coach. Did you guys see the Iowa Northwestern over-under for this weekend? <laughs> Seven and a half. Yeah, okay, let me think. Okay, so... so we have an over-under of Iowa Northwestern. Now, Mark, this is one of our Wrigley Field games. Oh, yay. So the one goalpost will, will be up, not two, because they can't fit it. Iowa and Northwestern coming up. Let me guess. On Peacock, 3.30 on... Saturday. This is the six and two Hawkeyes against the four and four Northwestern Wildcats. So I mean, these are two teams. A respectable yeah. game. Yeah. Oh, really. Iowa. Iowa very well could be. You know, with the last year divisions in the Big Ten, they could pull a Purdue and they could absolutely be in the Big Ten championship game. And by rights, could fire their offensive coordinator, the son of the head coach. Over under. Let me guess. Thirty three and a half. I'll say thirty and a half. The over-under opened up at 29 (laughs) and a half. Barn burner. Mark Dykton, it has risen to your number of 30 and a half. It is the lowest over-under, I believe I saw in the Power 5 history of college football. And what what network is that on? Play the sound. Oh, Peacock. That's right. 29 and a half. I would love to know the raw streaming numbers of that game. 
I mean, Iowa's got a big fan base, so they're you know they're going to have a nice amount of people. Wrigleyville be rocking with Iowa fans. So th- that is only one. They can only go one way there. Uh, didn't one they, field didn't goal they change oh, the so, configuration? Yeah, now had, you can go both ways. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the Bears that. only played there for like sixty years, and then yeah, Northwestern and Illinois it. played, and they're like, ah, oh, we <laughs> can only put one it. goal post up. It's like, how? What did you do? You have to return kicks. You know, you, if you get a pick six, you got to return it to midfield and then turn back the other way. Yeah, so it's basically like, hey, you got to kick a field goal. Okay, everybody, go this way now. It's like, what in the hell? So hopefully they figured that out. That was like. Probably 10 years ago at this point, but it, it was insane. I remember that happening, but no, I'm sure it's fixed by now. I'm sure the Big Ten put their foot down. If we're going to play a game, damn it, in Wrigley Field. I remember the bowl game in Fenway was really like close to the edges. What is what is the cheapest ticket to get into that game, do you wonder, on the secondary market? Oh, it's got to be it's got to be just the fees, like $2. You just had oh. to pay the, the oh, fees. You are sadly mistaken. Cheapest ticket right now that I'm looking at, Seventy-one dollars. No. How many uh, fans do they get there? I mean, Wrigley can normally fit like forty-two thousand. So enough. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking I mean, at Iowa it. fans have just got to be. Go- I mean, Iowa's fan base is nuts. Oh yeah, no, there's a, it's a great fan base. It's, they drink all of our them. bars dry here in Big Ten Championship. I mean, honestly, if you're the Big Ten or if you're the Indiana Sports Corps here in town, you want Iowa to make the yeah. the Big Ten Championship. Oh, game. thousand percent, you do. Yeah. Thousand percent. Matter Nebraska. Crappy football and get hammered. What else are you gonna do? Literally. Uh, all right, let's give out our goats of the weekend. Who is the goat? I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Jordan, here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! That's what I'm talking about! That's why he's the MVP! That's why he's the goat! The goat! Or goat. This guy sucks. Of the week. I'm going to lead off. I have never been more proud of college students in quite some time. The spur of the moment execution, the dedication. I, I would venture to guess a little bit of engineering probably had to go into this as well. This is an all caps goat, and that would be the student body of Kansas University. Okay. For their ability to remove said goalpost. From their stadium as they got their first win over Oklahoma in 26 years. Their first top 10 home victory in 39 years. Think about that. Their first top 10 victory at home in 39 years. And did you see they got the goalposts all the way to the river? I did. Here's the only thing that I was confused you know, about. I, I, and and, and, and all I love, of, I love all what, of that you're what it takes. No, I listen, I love what you're saying. But so Kansas isn't one of these gutless schools then that had the field goal post to just lay down on its own. There's like motorized. I thought that was like the thing that you had to have now. I, I don't care how it was taken down. <laughs> I care more about getting the damn thing out of the stadium and having the dedication to get it all the way into the river. I was at. Uh, now you're going to be. This in, is Kansas football. Uh, listen, I understand I, what I it is. I don't know if the IU student section would have the ability to execute that and get it into, you know, like Griffey. Or Monroe. Well, here's what I would say to that. Um, 
Yes, I think they would. IU football would need to give them a little bit more to cheer for, and you'd have to have a ton of alcohol uh, to get that done. But, I mean, hasn't that been the thing where they ruin the fun and the goalpost just lays uh, down I, on its own? Trust I thought, me. That I thought it, everybody had that now. Yeah, I, I, which is part, okay, that's fine. But then to get the thing out of the stadium oh, and, yeah, and to get fantastic. in the river? Unbelievable by Kansas. Now, I was there at a, this is many, many years ago, like 15 years ago, at a Georgia Tech game where they beat, I believe they beat Auburn. Remember Jason Campbell? Oh, he had more than a cup of coffee oh, in the sure. NFL. Yeah, Jason, yeah, yeah. Uh, Washington, when they were the Redskins. Oh, yeah. And they beat Auburn and they carried it and they carried it out of the stadium. I'd, so I've been like, and I've been like around students that have done that. I've obviously never done that. I mean, you need uh, but dozens of students no, banding you, together. Yep. Spur of the moment. I don't yes, think sir. You, I don't think you come together on a Friday night and say, guys, if we win, this is what we're doing. And I, you know, Johnny, you know, sophomore Johnny, you get three of your boys, and they're they're big guys. You get the base of the goalpost. Beautiful execution. Uh, where are you guys going for your? I'm gonna go. go listen, I'm gonna go with Will Levis. Uh, I'm gonna go. He's gonna wow. be my. Yeah, I'm gonna go with because I was so wrong. Maturity by no, you. No, no. I need I need to eat crow uh, at least for one game. I was wrong about Will Levis. I thought he would throw multiple interceptions. He didn't. He took care of the football. He hit four touchdowns. They ran the ball around him, and plus, you know, DeAndre Hopkins had to be happy. I mean, Hopkins is sitting over there like, just throw me the damn ball, anybody. I did love in the first, they got a first down or two with Levis, and then they put Malik Willis in the game to try to fumble. Yeah, and he immediately fumbled, like to try to do this Wildcat 2 QB BS. (laughs) Plop sounds beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mark, where are you going? Uh, Go to the week. Good for me. Uh, Philadelphia wide receiver AJ Brown. What a good. Grief! The tear that this man is on right now. Bet that over the over. last six games, forty-nine catches, eight hundred and thirty yards, five touchdowns. He's the first player with six straight games of one hundred and twenty-five yards or more per game. Absolutely insane! Again, that 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 last part, Mark. Six straight of at least one twenty-five. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the element that really his over under was 81 and a half or maybe it was 88 and a half it was one or the other I think maybe two weeks ago it was 81 and then last night or yesterday it was 88 and a half I've got two lowercase goats from the weekend and one would be on the Milwaukee Bucks employee that thought it was a good idea to have <laughs> Flavor Flav sing oh, I meant to the dub national that sound. anthem Mark can you find that I meant Maddie to dub Bowen, that I have not seen her laugh that loud at something in quite some time. The best was when they would pan the camera like to the players. I'm emailing it to you. And to the staff members of them just trying to keep their heads down during the anthem and not smirk, laugh, (laughs) chuckle. Hell of an effort by Flavor Flavor. I used to watch his show back in the day. Oh yeah, Flavor of Love. Uh Uh-huh. I, I did not see any of those women on was the floor it, with it, him during it, his national it, anthem. Was it Bridget? Wasn't she like a like Bridget a Nielsen, ex? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Is that who it was? Hell of an effort by Mr. Flav. I, I want to commend him for that. I'm going to my <laughs> lowercase goat for the Bucks employee. The thought. Let's get him. Well, my brother, Mike. my brother who is an avid Bucks fan, he lives in Milwaukee. He said that is. I asked him yesterday because he was going to the game. I said, "What the hell?" He's like, "That's actually not the first time he's done that. Really? He's done this multiple times." What what's the why? I don't know. He must be just a, a buck. I mean, they have these something? Boy Scouts holding the flags, <laughs> and I mean, like it's not a joke. The little right. nine year old's like in a PS pants. He's like, wait, is this serious right now? <laughs> I gotta do this for the whole song. He said, this isn't the first time he's been at a Bucks game, so maybe he's genuinely a fan. Not sure, but this is not his first time. If you haven't seen it, certainly the Google singing that. of the Star Spangled Banner performed tonight <laughs> by six time Grammy Award nominated rapper and artist Flava Flav. <laughs> Clock looks prestigious. Oh, he looked great. Again, nothing against Mr. Flav. 
Oh, oh, say, can I wish we could play the whole thing. See <laughs> by the dawn. Okay, I think that's. You enough. know what it reminds the me. The end of? was tremendous. Okay, yeah, yeah, just do that on your on your lunch break, because I know we're up against let, it. Yeah, let me quiz you two guys. During the All Star Game a few years ago, uh, I want to say it was 2018. Do you remember who sang the national anthem at the NBA All Star Game? There's the viral video that's still fantastic, and it circulated yesterday because of Flavor Flav, where the players are all laughing. You have KD, it's a Carl LeBron. Lewis. No, it's not. It was Fergie. I don't know if I recall that one. No, go back. Remember, it's the one where Draymond's laughing and Clay Thompson's laughing and Curry and uh, all the guys are trying to <laughs> are trying to not forewarning towards the Pacers <laughs> in the NBA for this year's All Star Game. Uh, I know we're up against it. Lowercase uh, goats. What uh, just, do you guys got? Just, I'll, I'll do mine real quick. Are you going to go Tony Brown? I, uh, are you going it, Gus Bradley? Listen, I can, I can. We've we've harped on those guys for the better part of three hours. You have a fourth and a half yard at your seventeen yard line. And instead of going for it and ending the game, you kick a field goal with a guy who shanked multiple kicks, who's having a terrible year, it's in the rain, your holder stinks, and he's got a bad leg, and you send Graham Gano to go out there, and uh, and the, it's Brian Dable. Brian Dable's had three games that are fireable uh, this year for the New York Giants, and to not go for it on fourth and a half yard there is ridiculous. Well, they got what he deserved. Stay in the Giants lane here. Tyrod Taylor and Tommy DeVito combining for 6 for 14 for minus 9 net passing yards. They were sacked four times. Lucky for Giants fans like Andy. Uh, the salvation is upon them. Daniel Jones cleared for contact. Yes. It can only go up, folks. And the Raiders, they have a chance to win that game. But Brian minus Dable, nine. he has the ball fourth and a half yard at the 17. If you don't get it, there's going to be 20 seconds to go. They're going to have to go the length of the field. You don't. You kick it. You give them free yards. Ridiculous. Uh, I will also go with Halloween cool. weather. It's absolute bull what, what, what we're dealing yeah. with tomorrow bad for, for this kids. Halloween weather. All right, we'll do it one final time. All right, last minute or so of the show. Well, you're you're going as a piece of bacon tomorrow. We gotta wear a Mark Halloween costumes tomorrow. Are you ready? Yeah, I'd have no ideas yet. I need. You can't be Matt Nagy like you have been in years past. That was one time. Is that yeah? That was a good one. <laughs> you know what today is as well. I uh, just saw this: the Sports Equinox Day. It's the only day in 2023 where we'll get all four major sports leagues playing a game. Game three of the World Series, of course. Hockey underway. The NBA underway, and Raiders and Lions tonight on Monday Night Football. Do we have a Manning cast or anything? Tonight? I hope. I hope. I bet we Actually, don't for this. Uh, to be honest with you, I'll be flipping back and forth. I don't need Manny Cast tonight. Because yeah. I got Pacers Bulls. Yeah, Pacers Bulls. And I've got MLB. Uh, game three of the World Series. Yeah. All right, well. I'm going to say Pacers win. It's going to be a close one. I'm worried about this game. I don't Three and a half point yeah, favorite about against one. the Bulls. We'll recap it all, preview the NFL trade deadline, and wear some Halloween costumes tomorrow. Thank you.